0: My name is Tom
1: Chick, and you are listening to the Quarter to Three movie podcast for the movie Brave. I am joined this week by Christian McClansky. Actually, uh, it's Nate Doodle. And I don't know what movie that was
0: from. Maybe that's from next week's movie. And with you know. a tagline for Brave, Mr. Kelly Wand. It's like Tangled, but Kelly McDonald, dear. Wait, wait a minute! I'm a uncomfortable. Scottish with... muffin. Oh, a... I'm, okay. I'm uncomfortable because I don't think shit. Kelly ever saw Tangled. No, but I've seen Kelly McDonald. Right, and see so when when he uh, made that noise about <laughs> I don't care about that. That's when fucking he... uh, Mandy Moore. Uh, when I, I care that... which actress does the voice acting. Sorry. All right, so let's... Uh,
1: Diggis, tell us a little bit about what we saw this week. What is this Brave thing? Is it, is it about American Indians? Is it about the Atlanta baseball team? What, what, What's going on? Don't spoil anything. Just give us the basics.
2: All right, well, this week we saw Brave, a 2012 American computer-animated fantasy-action-adventure movie about a teenage girl in 10th-century Scotland struggling to control her fate. It was first directed by Brenda Chapman, who wrote the story based on... A little Hans Christian Andersen, a little Raising Her Daughter. And uh, then it was directed by Mark Andrews and co-directed by Steve Purcell. All three wrote the script with Irene Mechie. It stars Kelly MacDonald, Emma Thompson, and Billy Connolly. Brave is rated PG for s- some scary action and rude humor.
1: Wait a minute. Keep going. And... <laughs> Yeah? No, the the cartoon butts don't figure into it. I think there was more nudity in Brave than in Magic Mike. It's text- um, at, no, least there was- ma- at least more male nudity, I should say.
0: Hmm. That was the connection. That's why you wanted to do both the movies.
2: <laughs> Except um, Magic Mike has pervasive sexual content, brief graphic nudity, language, and some drug use.
1: Yeah, only one of those things is in Brave. Okay, fair enough. Uh uh all right so uh I'm sorry did I cut you off of you? go those. ahead so uh it was pg for all the for what did you say again give us the disclaimers so we know what we're dealing with
2: um brave is rated uh, r for pervasive sexual content <laughs> i don't think that's right new- oh you're right for scary action i'm sorry some scary action and huh? rude humor
1: okay rude humor right uh all right so uh brave it opened not this weekend but the previous weekend to 66 million dollars, a cool 66 million. Uh, another number one for Pixar. I think it actually, though, did not do as well as most of their movies. It beat the the Rat movie, uh, Ratatouille, and maybe one other, Cars 2 or something. So it's a number one opening, but in the pantheon of Pixar openings, it was near the bottom of their 13 number ones. Uh, here's a little bit of, I don't know, weirdness. What well, we'll see. So on Metacritic which rates the average rating of reviews that give movies ratings, Brave is at, Kelly One's favorite number, 69. Uh, On Rotten Tomatoes, which simply says what percentage of reviews are positive, Brave is at 76%. Now, Uh here's the little factoid I want to throw at you guys. So, Metacritic, Brave is at 69. Prometheus is at 65. Uh Uh, Metacritic, Uh, I'm sorry, Rotten Tomatoes, Brave on Rotten Tomatoes is at 76. Prometheus on Rotten Tomatoes, 73. So basically, if you look at the aggregates, Brave and Prometheus are pretty much on par.
0: Prometheus is a Pixar movie.
1: Uh, just as far as quality, what you can expect, you can expect the same from, from both movies, if, if you use the aggregates.
0: Okay. Or all these numbers are meaningless, which is the other lesson, the other takeaway. Possibly. No, that can't be. Kelly wow. are you're, you're shaking my faith in, in math. I know. I know it's your section of the podcast. <laughs> that You're so proud of compiling. I know how much you love math in general and in RL. Uh, so Brave also is uh,
1: holding, it, it's fallen to number three on its second weekend, so... Uh,
0: Basically, it's no Toy Story, critically or commercially speaking. Um, I hate that. I hate when people, when they like, it does, That's ah, it's no Mount Everest, so, it's a piece of shit. <laughs> right. Uh, Alright, yeah, well, One, Kel- why
1: don't you, uh, now let's spoil Brave. If you haven't seen Brave, we are gonna spoil bits of it. Kellywand, uh, Maybe tell us one or two of the things that actually happen in the movie, like a couple of plot twists and, and, and developments and some of the narrative. Tell us a bit, a bit about some of the narrative
0: of Brave. Oh, you mean a brape, sis? <laughs> I mean a bris? I thought you were hey, doing a V in there somewhere. Yeah, what, yes. What were you going to say when I kept making stupid noises earlier about Kelly McDonald? I kept cutting you off. My humble apologies. What were you saying? Uh,
1: what was I saying about Kelly? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I agree with your... She's an adorable, oh, oh, I was going to, well, we'll get into that later. Uh, I I agree with your assessment of Kelly McDonald. She's an absolutely adorable, I could just listen to her talk all day long, but I I didn't really associate her with, like, when I think, boy, Kelly McDonnell is hot,
0: like, that's not what I was thinking while I was watching Brave. Oh, I did. (laughs) You're a freak, Kelly I know. uh, You didn't? It was going to be Reese Witherspoon, and she bowed out, which probably would have been less hot to me if it had been with Reese Witherspoon. But Tom's Tom voice please. is... That's what I'm saying. But, like, Tom can phase that out. He can watch animation but with Kelly McDonald's voice and not get an erection. Kelly, did you watch the movie Brave with your eyes closed? Is that part of what was going on? I didn't need to. Did you see it in 3D? Did you see Magic Mike in 3D? Dingus? I know you saw it.
2: Uh, it wasn't playing in 3D, but I saw it in 3D. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like you, and I like this podcast occasionally. But it would have been a good... I can see now the linkage, because they're both about sort of gender roles.
2: Yeah, I saw the linkage.
0: <laughs> that would have been a great... Let's just go on to the 3 by 3 with that. That was good. Well
1: done. Uh-huh. Uh, no, let's have our... bropsis. Brobs, what do we Bricks. call it?
2: He called it a
0: bris. Bris. <laughs> Speaking of uh, linkage... Ah... Uh, that's good, Tom. Thank you. You win. <laughs> this one's kind of short, because it's a busy weekend. All right. So, uh, um, next week's Canada will be an Americanadote, because I'm going to be stateside, Brock. Do, do we have, by the way, a Cananadote, and should we do it before we get to our... No. Nah. Okay. We'll do it later. <laughs> All right. But I just want to say I want to be America's national treasure again. I was kidding. It was a joke. Come on. You and me, America. Just like it was... Take me back. Iraq was awesome. I take it all back. We totally scored the oil for democracy. I get it.
1: All right. Well, we'll, we'll consider that. We'll, we'll put it to a vote. Uh, now that we've got this uh, ACA thing out of the way, we'll we'll then ah. get to important issues like whether or not Kelly Wand is a national treasure.
0: I guess I'm always going to be a global treasure. Yeah. Fuck you guys and Canada. I'm just going to keep going north till I find a country that loves me. <laughs> Newfoundland. Say hi to uh, Santa Claus. <laughs> He needs video games written. Alright, another one. How about a br- <laughs> Britsis? Britsis? Yes. Bropsis? Brapsis? Uh, Whatever bear, it is.
2: The, the Bear and the Bosis.
0: The Bear and the Bosis. Chapter 1 Green Leggings and Haggis. Once upon a time, in either Ireland or Scotland, a spunky young princess named Murder lives with her parents in a cottage, although it turns out later they're king and queen and live in a castle too. She likes to shoot arrows at shit, although headbutting would be even braver. When she's little, she still kinda sucks and overshoots one shaft into a dark thicket a mile away that's reputed to be filled with bears and ghosts. Better go get it, cackles her dad. Fergus, no bows on the table, says the mom. Fucking lay it on the ground or something, Jesus. Murder trapeses into the haunted glade and finds a blue glowy 3D pixel. Ooh, a sea of the G! She croons. Ah, I can't do a Kelly McDonald parody. I get confused.
1: Come on, try it again. Let's do take two once oh, more with sea two. of the G. That sounded like a leprechaun. Let's do less leprechaun, more
0: of Mike Myers doing. No, tags, you're trying to throw me by getting Kelly McDonald my head when I'm trying to do jokes.
2: I want to do jokes. Just because since you're calling her murder, just to do two O's instead murder. of the U.
0: Ooh, a C of the G. <laughs> Was that a Canadian yeah, it's that, just... Just... <laughs> that hurts. Now let's say Canadian for the rest of the podcast. The evil word, dark word. Ooh, a C of the G. <laughs> I'm the worst actor. The writing's really good. C of the G's awesome writing. We can agree. It's the saying of the C and the G. They're supposed to tell us something, something, spirit, something. <laughs> Then a bunch more light up, lighting her a nice straight pathway into the dark, spooky glade. It's like a storyboard, but mysticler. Off she skips until she finds herself in in Stonehenge, or the one just like it in Ireland. Nothing happens, so a giant black bear shows up and almost eats her, but luckily she outruns it back to her dad's place. The bear and her dad fight, but we don't get to see it. Now I know how the gray would have looked in 3D. (laughs) (laughs) Oh... Ah! Such a cheap shot. No, fuck you all. I'm a very upset, brave watcher. The bear eats her dad's leg and then bails till she hits puberty. (laughs) (laughs) It's short, so maybe that's better, I guess. Chapter 2, Blarney Sandwich. Murder grows into a slightly taller, small-chested, gimlet-eyed, ginger-muffed lass. Her mom's always getting on her shit about not eating apples, because those aren't ladylike, unlike bananas, ice cream cones, or milk balloons to the face. Murder, see, Kelly McDonald. Murder also now has three interchangeably cute little redheaded brothers, who I guess are all the same age. Luckily, wars of succession only happen in fairy tales. One day, her parents <laughs> announce. Sorry, I just got that. That was nice, Kelly. Wand. It's like a good joke, but my delivery is so distractingly awful destroys the the writing. One day, her parents abruptly announce she has to marry one of three dudes she's never met so that the kingdoms can stay unified against the English, I guess, or bears. Murder's dad decides who will marry his own daughter the most loving way possible, with an archery contest. The least cute suitor accidentally scores a bullseye, so maybe the movie's message is going to be that one shouldn't judge a book by its cover. Nope, that's for a movie I saw the trailer to before this one, Paranorman. A character I doubt Murder would give the time of day to. Though the archery contest looks to be over, Murder appears wearing a cape and disguise like Robin Hood, which is weird since she was already there, then flings it off and wins the archery contest effortlessly. I've won me own hand, she cries triumphantly, in Kelly Wan's voice. Now I get to marry myself, meself. <laughs> Oh, definitely interested in watching that consummation, huh, guys? Says some stoned buffoon on the crowd's fringe. All the guys mutter hungrily and shamble forward. She and the mom have harsh words. and murder gets mad and slashes a hole in a tapestry that I guess is super important magic-wise, but for some reason is kept in a tempestuous young tomboy's room near a blazing fireplace. Mom gets back at her by throwing her bow in the fire, but then freaks out and saves it because it's made from futuristic metal. Chapter 3, Scottish Magic's Retarded. Murder rides off into the dark thicket and sees more winking blue lights at Stonehenge. Ooh, sees the G! Murder giggles. (laughs) They've only tried to get me killed once. I'll follow where they lead. They take her to a wooden cottage where an old hag lives. Loch Ness Lassie, cackles the crone witlessly. I'm a witch, but prefer lately to focus on my wood carving. Too many unsatisfied customers on the witch front. This sounds promising, Murder answers. Tell me more of your credentials. The witch spits acid and cockroaches into maintainer cover story, wood shavings. Not my fault people are idiots and only ask for vague shit with no conditions of any kind. Every movie, every fairy tale. Don't worry, Murder giggles. We won't have that problem. I just want to have a different fate. Ah, different fate, cackles the witch. So specific. Clever girl jk get out of my shop carving knives come to life and kill her murders all wait wait i want to buy all your carvings and a poison danish for me mum. and the witches all we're talking a lot of electrum here honey and murders all fuck money feast your cataracts on this and she holds up an aluminum locket stamped with pictures of three raccoons with sequins for eyes staring at nothing jackpot the witch lovably accepts her offer Sidebar: A chick told me this morning that she'd sold some gold bracelets to a place called We Buy Gold. I asked if they paid her back in gold so that nothing changes hands. She was all, why in the fuck would I do that? How high are you? <laughs> if you ask me, my question answers her question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Chapter 4, Kelly gets tired and wraps this shit up quickly, unlike the movie. Just as the blue G wisely planned, mur- murder poisons her mom and brothers, and then poisons her mom again with mushrooms and centaur urine. Everyone thinks the mom's a real bear and tries to comically kill her repeatedly with swords and spears, but luckily none of their swipes and slashes ever connects. Also, luckily, the brothers turn into cute little bears that no one notices or tries to kill, although their characters have been set up as hard to ignore. The evil bear turns out to be the immortal ghost in bear form of an Irish guy who I guess also bought a Danish shop the woodcarver chick a long time ago. I guess that's her only spell, which does sort of explain the low customer satisfaction ratings. But the characters trick him by killing him. This makes his ghost both human and Irish blue. Thanks for tipping that boulder on me, head, his nod tells us wisely. I see now me errors in judgment, back when I was a human centuries ago. Hey, wait, that's it, his receding voice tones as he ascends majestically but freedomly to Scottish heaven. Hooray for murder, the kingdoms are unified, the mom chants excitedly. That's the message of this movie, conform. Just as Wally's message was that the universe isn't large enough to accommodate a couple centuries of one planet's garbage uh says murder wait i thought i was the emblem for doing your own thing fuck gender rules honey it's that too but it's also bring your mom along on everything teaching her the internet's always fun fuck rules i know you took a long time to get good at arrow shooting and since i've never ridden a horse before i'll probably break my hip but this movie isn't called smart yeah off the end credits (laughs) scrollingly the end
1: thank you kelly wad very nicely done
0: You had little faith in that, didn't you? I, I liked the four-act structure. It's like a fairy tale. They were always—they always came in quadruples. Yeah. Uh,
1: all right. So let's see. So uh, Kelly, one—you did see this in
0: 3D? No. I'm, I thought so. That's kind of like doing it, isn't it? I—I yeah, know. I, I know Kelly McDonald was doing. If I'd remembered in time, mm-hmm. I actually probably would have seen it in 3D, which I know. It sounds even stupider to you. But I would have been that much hornier. <laughs> I'm
1: a little uncomfortable with that. Uh, and she would do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so, uh, Dingus, get in here. Why don't you go first? Uh, how did you feel about Brave, and how much did the movie-going experience and the company that was with you color the experience? Uh,
2: I felt, uh, I actually uh, went ahead and saw it two times. Um just to make sure that the uh, movie going experience didn't color my my uh so my time. feelings about it. I know I just have time on my hands to do these things. But if you're gonna see Magic Mike, you might as well see Break right first. Is that your uh, double feature? Oh yeah. So uh kids to Magic Mike. I I, I gotta say, I, you know, the uh the ratings that Tom read earlier notwithstanding, I really love this. I know that a lot of people are um are saying it's gammy because of uh because Disney is now involved in Pixar or whatever. I haven't read a lot of the reviews, but I I don't understand any of that. I totally freaking loved it. Uh and it might very well be colored by the fact that I got to see it with my son and my wife and one of my best friends. Um and in a in a theater full of kids who were just hilarious And totally adorable. And since it was uh, an early show, it didn't bother me that there was a little kid, you know, a few rows over making silly comments. Uh, he was
1: basically narrating, I thought. Yeah, <laughs> exactly,
2: basically narrating it. It's
1: co- occasional color commentary on the movie, yeah. Uh,
2: and then my son even had one uh, a pretty funny line that he whispered to his mom. So I so that so the the experience was wonderful, but but I just think the movie's really really good regardless.
1: Okay, hold that thought in a minute, for a minute, uh, and I want to hear what what your son said. So hold that thought as well. Uh, but real quick, can you explain when you say people say it's gammy? I don't, is that a Scottish thing? I don't I don't know what you're was, saying. Yeah. What does that mean? Oh, oh uh,
2: it's it's, it's a what? reference to that that Scaffy witch gave me a gammy spell. That's a, a line from the movie.
0: That Scaffy witch gave me a gammy spell. So was I'm, the first I'm, word. The what witch? Scaffy. Sca- that Scaffy witch gave me a gammy spell. Yeah. And, but,
2: there's a, there's a number of lines that uh, they say that like uh,
1: i would
0: seen it twice. I might have heard it.
1: So gammy uh, basically meaning somehow uh, broken or uh, not up to snuff or uh, exactly. Exactly. Okay.
2: Although that, that's a lousy thing to say because because uh, my my mother-in-law is called gammy, <laughs> so that was a lousy. Thing to, to think, well, yeah.
1: I have a theory about this, which I'll get to in a minute uh, uh, about these numbers. But Kelly wand so. Uh, you you said something earlier about being surprised about the numbers did does this mean you liked a cartoon like this is a cartoon were you into well, it's,
0: it it's all right i mean it's, it's all right Netflix okay movie. they're simple minded it's not as pic- usually in a pixar movie there's kind of more going on but I usually like movies where it's kind of about the characters and i'm not getting
1: Okay, well, hold that thought then, because I want to hear about, I want to talk about the message. Uh, so, so, Kelly Wan, you're coming in at all right. Dingus, you loved it. I'm definitely with Dingus. I, I loved this thing, and I'm, I'm a little disappointed and surprised. But after thinking about it, I kind of understand why critically it's not doing that well, and even commercially. I can understand why people have reservations. I want to talk about that in a minute. But it looks like we have another two to one split. Dingus and I being wildly enthusiastic about a movie, Kelly Wan feeling it's only okay.
0: Don't uh, I say everything's okay like I'm always in the
1: middle and No, yeah, you loved you loved uh what did you love? You loved that thing with Danny McBride being a stoner in the Middle Ages. <laughs> that,
2: <laughs> Kelly uh, Wan will say it's okay and then it will be number 3 on his list at
1: the end. <laughs> That's right. That's uh, so That's Kelly, Kelly Wan is the one who I, I think is the most uh stupid. No, no, just sort of the the most reserved about about brave because I'm I'm just off the hook for how much I am the, the least thing. Uh, I, I was so just just touched and moved. And as far as princess movies go, uh, I would say this is easily my favorite princess movie. And I've seen a lot of them. You know, I'm a big fan of Tangled, Hannah, Star Wars, stuff like that. This I loved this as a princess movie. As sort of very, I was being facetious. I, uh, I, I loved this as a variation on that. As a uh, y- you know, and even even Tangled, which did some great things, and I really liked Tangled. There's just so much in Brave. That that I haven't seen in other princess movies. Uh, yeah. So God, I was just crazy about this, and I think part of it might have been because uh, I I had a little seven year old boy sitting next to me who is the son of a really good friend of mine,
0: and I got to experience it with him. And so Wait, I, th- I thought you saw it with Dingus and
1: his kid. So with Dingus and uh, Dingus's son and wife. Yes, and uh, I. That's being fish. I aha. I win. <laughs> Uh, and a lot of it, I mean, it was so awesome, even though, and I hope this doesn't embarrass your your son, Dingus, but even though parts of the movie were a little too intense for your son, uh, like that was awesome to sort of sit next to someone who was really experiencing kind of the magic of this in a way that as an adult I have lost touch with. Uh, you know, there, there are scenes of minor ominousness, I guess, where she goes in a dark forest and there's the will of the wisps. Uh, and your son was really frightened of those. And so I, I was kind of like responding to him. I was trying to laugh and sort of be good natured. And, and I was like, I was wanting to sort of let him know by de- my demeanor that, hey, it was OK. But it was so awesome to... Uh, in a weird way kind of feed on his fear and sort of admire how cool it, it must be to be seven years old and to see this and be afraid because, you know, as an adult, I'm scared of things like, you, you know, insolvency, public speaking, cancer, you know, terrible stuff like that how awesome is it to be afraid of will-o'-the-wisps and, and dark forests? Uh, so I can't deny that per, that might have colored some of why I loved it. Uh, it it's just yeah. being there with, you know, a room full of kids, including one who I, I know, and and I was sort of enjoying how he was watching it and experiencing it. Um,
0: uh so yeah. i think if i was seven i would have been more
1: blown away well but here's the thing so is it a kid's movie because i think clearly I, I think if you want to call it a kid's uh-huh. movie it does some really subversive things so is that is that part of kelly one you said something about the a message movie uh you, did you think it was like a facile message or an easy one or it just kind of bounced off of you what yeah. what's the problem there
0: well, it's like Up to me is better than Wall-E because it's kind of about just one dude, and I didn't really feel like there was a message in Up. It okay. About sure. his thing and his and his trip, but in uh in Brave, they say, well, "I don't like." You can tell you're in a message movie when the character says something like, "Hey, I realized what I did wrong, and now I'm going to do this." Like mm-hmm. they actually spell out the message. Yep. Having said that. I thought it was kind of cool. I liked it more than I thought I was going to like it. Like, I was actually more down on it going in than I emerged, because I kind of found it interesting that the mom is, like, the main character of the movie in a way. Yep. I thought that was an interesting twist. It kinda that... goes... Go,
1: Go ahead, on. sorry. Well, I was going to say, that's part of why I feel that it was subversive and not a typical
0: message movie. <laughs> yeah. um, but for Pixar, I thought it was kind of top-heavy with Deus Ex Machina's. And I kind of want, when Murder's introducing the Lords, and she goes, and you, Lord MacGuffin, I kind of wanted her to say, and you, deus ex machina, and you, Chekhov's gun. But then they had deus ex machina again, the and then I thought maybe that's why they didn't say that. Kelly Wan,
1: there's a reason that deus ex machina goes back to Greek tragedy. It's effective. It's not necessarily
0: a bad thing in a, in a drama, just so you know. But in Pixar movies, <laughs> they are not as prevalent normally. What's a, a, Wait a
2: minute. What's, what's the deus
0: ex machina in this? Uh, The Stonehenge thing and the witch and the will of the wisp and every... De-
1: I can answer this. Deus ex machina is anything where Kelly Wand is losing interest and
0: <laughs> and, <laughs> and <laughs> Kelly McDonald's not talking enough and there's a lot of bear... There's just not as much going on. Like, it's
1: all the bear well, stuff. Well, let, let's real quick, because I want to get into that idea that there's not that much going on, uh, but I want to talk about the message a little bit first. Kelly Wand, just briefly, and then I want to know how Dingus feels about this. What would you say is the message of the movie. Could you I just
0: realized why you like it because you love mother-daughter stuff. That's what you liked about Hannah too. So it was just like another. I think well, Hannah's not
1: funny. Hannah's a father. Well, well, real uh-huh. quick. So did, what would you say is the message? Like just in a,
0: in a nutshell, if a uh-huh. message of brave, huh? I think is be your own person because there's no <laughs> boys in Scotland. <laughs> you're boys losing do. interest as you. None speak. of them are good. <laughs> Although but your dad's a. So you'd think his, next-gen, nah, yeah, I don't know. Do see, we'll, here's the slams. I don't know. Let, let me I, just I, go. I, I want to jump in, and then I want to hear how Dingus feels
1: about this, because Dingus is it. the one who's, who's raising a child and who I think can can speak more directly to this. But to me, the message of Brave, and I see this as different from the message of, of many princess movies and, and many facile message movies. The message here is let your parents love you even if you don't understand how or why they do it. You know, this is a movie about a, a woman coming to grips with the fact that her family loves her. And you don't see that. I mean, most movies for little girls are, hey, you're powerful. Hey, you know, do your own thing. Hey, don't be peer pressured into other things. I mean, it's the standard sort of young adult stuff. Um, but this is a, you know, this is this is a, a movie about how she should perceive her parents, and, and specifically her, her mother, Uh And you you say the mother's kind of the main character, and and I agree. I mean, the mother's the one who goes through the most literally transformative character arc in this movie, but her opinion doesn't really change. It's not about her discovering, oh, my daughter's an independent, viable person, I should let her go her own way. It's more about how the daughter comes to appreciate the mother. Um, and yeah, I'm a, I'm a sucker for parent child movies, and certainly for movies about daughters. Uh, but I just felt the twist on this message was was so distinct from other princess movies.
0: Um, all right, I have a, here's my reservation with this movie, and it's something that bugged me about Avatar too. It's like where I can if I go if there wasn't if they didn't meet that character, then their whole all the decisions they make would be different. So it's kind of like a loaded deck. And so my question is like in the <laughs> Seeing where all the suitors are, it's like there's the one Channing Tatum looking Scotsman that even she goggles at, but he turns out not to be one of the three contenders. But if he had been, would she have gone, you know what, fuck it, I'm in, I'll take him. I didn't realize you're gonna have like really awesome cut dudes as part of my repertoire. She's not goggling at him, she's, she's, she's
2: like nudging her father and saying, really? I mean, it's not, it's not
0: bad. Mm,
1: <laughs> She's what's not that she... even going, really? Once again, Kelly Wan bringing sexual baggage to an inappropriate place.
0: <laughs> but, I mean, okay, like in Avatar, if he wasn't banging the Indian chick, he wouldn't be as sold on switching sides. So it's not—it's more about love and not about doing, like, the ecologically smart thing. And you're
2: kind of getting to the point of, of what, what my favorite thing about this movie is uh or one of my favorite things about the way this movie ends and I don't know if we want to get to that yet but well, what, what you to... just said about avatar is exactly what is right about grave.
0: Uh enlighten me because I'm done with my little tangent. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sorry with most most princess movies you're going to you're going to meet the three dorks and and uh, yes. I, I want a choice and my choice is not to marry until I run into the cute guy. <laughs> yep. And then I'll get, and then I choose the cute guy. Oh, the rich guy. And that's not what this movie is about. And I was so happy with that, that, that when she stumbles upon that cottage, thanks to the Will of the Wisps, I was so nervous that who was going to open the door but some beautiful farmhand or something. Really? Uh,
0: um, and See, there, yeah, her, too...
2: her choice is, you know, not that I'm, I'm not going to marry one of the three dorks, but I'm going to marry the cute guy, but I choose that. And this movie didn't need that. I mean, this movie is about a choice dealing with your parents, as you guys were talking about, and the, and the consequences of of doing things that uh, or making decisions as a as a young person who's coming of age and those consequences. But I really like what Tom was saying about learning to deal with the way your parents love you.
1: And that's you know that what Dinkus is saying. That's exactly even though Tangled is awesome, you know Tangled does eventually go there. It's about you know finding. It's a you know it's basically saying to girls, "Eh, wait for the right guy who fulfills everything. You know Hunger Games is the same way. Like. That, that's a, that's an issue of concern for young girls, so naturally that's gonna be something that's in young adult fiction. And I love how Brave resisted that, because it was a completely different message. That's not the, the story it was telling. That's not the issue it's concerned about. Uh, it, it's, it's very focused on a completely different, and I feel very important issue. You know, normally in kids' movies, the adults are buffoons, and the, they act like children, and the kids are preternaturally wise, and they act like adults. This movie didn't need to do that. Because it was about characters. It wasn't about stereotypes, and it wasn't about simple, facile messages.
0: Um, The kids get out on the roof, and uh, they use their pants to get down in their kilts. That's That's the men. See, now you
1: say that's the kids, but Kelly Wan, another thing I loved about this movie is it it was willing to sort of be goofy with, with gender roles. All the men in this movie are benevolent buffoons you know they they're not they're not oppressive they're not mean they're just they're just sort of idiots and that's fine you know they they end up you know having to use their pants to get off the roof and walking around half naked uh, and and the movies i'm okay with that stereotype because it's not about gender roles it's not about her finding a prince charming it's about the mother daughter relationship it's about it's about this world seen through women's eyes and i'm okay with women acknowledging that we are often buffoons
0: I'm totally fine. We're always buffoons,
1: right? I was gonna—I was giving us an out there by saying often buffoons.
2: But man, you just made me think of Winter's Bone when you said that.
1: Winter's Bone, yeah. I mean, that's well, and Hannah too. I mean, there's so many really cool, good twists on on girl stories where the women are not just male power fantasies. And whether we're talking about Hannah or Winter's Bone or Brave. Uh, those are great examples of that, where these are stories told through women's eyes and not about women through men's eyes. And I love that about Brave.
0: Yeah, that's cool. But it's still not as good as Up. So therefore, it's well, terrible. <laughs> well, they're very different things. So, uh, here's,
1: so here's another thing. Uh, and I think part of why it's it's getting, it, it's, it's hovering around the level of Prometheus as far as the reviews go, and why you have a bunch of people who are reserved about it. I think that, uh, we are conditioned to think that an animated movie is necessarily going to have a lot of spectacle. You know, that it's not going to be a character-based story, which is clearly what Brave is. Brave has a couple of action set pieces, and it flirts with magic, but that's not what it's about. It's about characters. It's about character development, and that's normally stuff for stage plays or live-action art house movies. Brave doesn't have, even How to Train Your Dragon, a great, great movie with a lot of good character stuff, but it's very spectacle-based. And so I think when when people go to animated movies, they want this kind of usual circus and color and... And, and magic and crazy things happening, and Brave doesn't do that. And in a way, it reminds me of Iron Giant, which is a similar, you know, Iron Giant has a big, huge robot, but it's similarly very character-driven, and it's not going to show us all these big, circusy, elaborate, dreamworks, colorful action sequences and, and slapsticky stuff. Um, it's just going to show us characters developing and interacting with each other. And so I think when people see that in an animated movie, they feel a little bit cheated. Like, hey, where are my big, colorful, and where are my little cute sidekicks and the big, colorful action sequences and the spectacle? And Brave doesn't really have that. That's not really what it's doing. Um, So I think that's part of why it's getting this sort of... The enthusiasm is a bit more reserved towards Brave.
0: So not enough dragons.
1: Exactly. Uh, Not enough dragons. Like, I didn't know going in, I had no idea how crazy magic this world was going to be. You know, the bear, which is the... Uh, kind of the villain, the bear is just sort of there at the beginning, and he comes back at the end for an action set piece. But there's no dragons and bears and stuff in the in the middle. There's no big spectacular. Yeah, you know what? Like you said, not enough dragon. Um, which, again, fine with me. But I think that's what we're conditioned to expect from an animated movie because maybe animated. It's not enough. Well, well, just animated movies don't have the constraints that live action d- yeah. movies
0: do, so people expect that to be pushed. I think. Um, so I'm sorry, oh. tear you off, Caliwan. Maybe maybe. <clears throat> I don't know, you probably should have, because then I was thinking about the point I was going to make, and then I thought... Because I was thinking maybe another reason people don't like it is there's not enough locations. Like, that's another thing. Like, it seems kind of closed in space. Yeah. It's,
1: well, it's, it's a very concentrated, like, as far as time and space, it's a very concentrated movie. It's not Madagascar, where they sail across Europe or whatever. I don't even know where those guys go. Or Ice Age. Don't they float around on an iceberg or whatever? Like, it doesn't have this... This location to location to location spectacle that.
0: that... Are the characters in Ice Age immortal? (laughs) It seems like they go through, like, they've done through dinosaurs and global warming and, like, uh, collisions with other planets. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'm making up the last three of those, but, um.
1: Yeah, I do not know. I have not. You know what? I say I have not seen an Ice Age movie, so I shouldn't. uh, Dude,
0: those movies make (laughs) Pixar look stupid, those (laughs) Ice Age movies. That kid, that guy with the nut, someday he's going to get it. <laughs> it's a squirrel. Oh, uh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> that was all I had to say about Ice Age. Thank you.
1: Uh, another thing I really liked, too, is just like there were no cute sidekicks, there was no convenient villain. Uh, there the were cute kids. sidekicks. The kids? Yeah. Um, okay, fair enough. But it wasn't your typical... Uh wasn't there a was mon-
2: some wise-cracking idiot that, that, that sits on her shoulder?
0: Yeah, Rosie O'Donnell didn't voice the uh, sidekick. Oh, is- you wanted Rosie O'Donnell on her. Wait, Dingus goes, yeah, Great Gazoo on her shoulder, and you go to Rosie O'Donnell. Oh, okay, because Flintstones, I get it. I
1: no, there's go. A- wasn't there a Tarzan movie? or There's something where Rosie O'Donnell is a monkey
0: sidekick. He's a cute, wise-cracking monkey sidekick. Planet of the Apes? No, it's a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cartoon movie, I don't know. <laughs> which of us is baked? I can't remember now. But, but here's the thing: Rosie I, O'Donnell was an ape. There, there that's is not a, true. There is. There's some cartoon. This will be the thing where the commenters go. Tom's referring <laughs> to Rosie Perez in "Do the Right Thing." She was. Dig, Digus, can you back
1: me up on this? Isn't I'm Rosie O'Donnell him. like a, a side, a, a talking monkey in Aladdin, or something like that?
2: Maybe I have no right. idea. I'm just right. really uncomfortable that Kelly Wong brought up "Do the Right Thing." <laughs>
0: <laughs> look what D, de- look what Tom went to. Robin Williams, never mind.
1: Well, anyway, so, the, yeah. is, in addition to the, you know, not the usual sidekick, here's another thing I loved about it. Not the usual villain. You know, there is a villain in this movie, but it is not a convenient, sneering, evil stepmonster. Uh, right. you know, the villain in this movie, and I love this about it, because, you know, the the metaphor here, like it uses bears as a metaphor for unresolved family grudges. And I love that that's the, you know, that's the evil villain. That's the, the thing, and whether it's on a, a larger scale with the clans or on just the scale with the mother and daughter. The villain here is being angry at your family and letting that go unresolved. And what a beautiful, beautiful message. You know what? what I, I, that, how much more valuable is that for kids than something about, hey, wait for the right guy. Uh, you, you know, a, a
0: prince is going to come along one day and be perfect. Wait, Wait, that's the other message that you liked, I thought. What's the other message that I liked? That wait around and someday the prince will come. That's what you want her to do.
1: That's what most young adult fiction is concerned about, because that's what a lot of kids are concerned about, and specifically girls, I think. But they've got other movies for that. Brave doesn't need to do that. Instead, Brave is about let your parents love you, even if you don't understand why or how they're loving you. And it's also about, in this movie, the villain is letting grudges go unresolved. You know, being angry at your family and not addressing it, not 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 you know hashing it out, working through it, just letting it lie—that's the villain in this movie, uh, expressed on a couple of different scales, and in both instances with bears, or uh, hmm. or trying
2: to change it without resolving it. I mean, she's trying to change it. In an underhanded way, she's trying to change this right. grudge that she has. She's just trying to change it magically, and and I can I can flash back to as a kid and sort of fantasizing about how am I going to just change this problem that I have? Is there a mad? I mean, just imagining magical ways that it could be taken care of instead of learning to resolve these issues right and that's part of becoming an adult and part of growing up and waiting for somebody to come along is just it just isn't even a part of this it's it, it, you know one of the things i love about this movie that i kind of already said is that falling in love isn't part of it she's like yeah we'll choose to do that at some point this isn't where i am at my in my life right now and that's not what this movie is about it's it's almost like the movie is saying that to us and it's inappropriate for the movie to be about that
1: and again, I mean, just just like Hannah and Winter's Bone, you know, these are right. these are movies that are not not all movies about young girls have to be about them discovering their sexuality. You know, there are other things yeah. in in life for young girls to deal with. Uh, and I love movies that acknowledge that. Right. And also, there's, right away, such it,
2: joy. there's so much joy in it. I mean, one of the things oh, that God, that yeah. was interesting to me uh when Tom was talking about Spectacle uh, and when he talked about Iron Giant, and I and I I saw that I. I watched that with my, my boy just a few months ago. Uh, and yet, I, there's a lot of battles in it, but I don't think about any of that when I think about my affection for that movie. I just think about the characters and their relationships. And when, when Tom was talking about Brave in those terms, I was just thinking about the beautiful moments of Brave, and they're not spectacle. They're, they're, there's her dancing, not dancing, but just the joy when she's drinking from the the waterfall. Or, or, the beauty of her mother, the bear walking out of that creek, and the way that fur looked, yeah or, there are just so many moments of just pure joy for me, and whatever action was going on whatever i i, don't, I didn't i don 't care about any of that and i don't I, as much as Tom is trying to explain, and I hope he does why people are not getting this and talking about it as if it 's substandard pixar
1: i just don 't understand it because there 's such beautiful. Character stuff here, and and God, you you mentioned the, the like the wet bare fur, and certainly her hair—that just wild tangle of red hair. I mean, that's a spectacle! My <laughs> golly, yeah. Uh, yeah. Good Lord, just what amazing technical work! I, I thought, uh,
0: you know, it used to be as true.
1: We all play a lot of video games, and some of the hardest things for video <laughs> games to do right, and you see animation struggling with the same thing—is uh, hair. Uh, and Pixar really rose to the challenge with this incredible head of hair. Uh, and, again, what a great metaphor for when it's all tucked into her little princess outfit and the way it <laughs> bursts loose. And, by golly, I have never have se- seen plenty of Jedis throw their heads back, their hoods back and look really cool. I have never seen a hood thrown back looking as awesome as it does when she, you know, walks forward to take her shot. Oh, my God, what an amazing fit uh. of work. <laughs> like that right there. How can you not call that spectacle? You know, you don't need dragons flying around in the air and fighting each other. That's one kind of spectacle. But having a character unveil herself like that, oh, that's just, that's plenty of spectacle for me.
0: Um, I just want to say that one reason I didn't want to see this movie was because they gave away that in the Who gave? Trailer. Well, that's, that's what you get, Kelly Wong, for watching no, trailers. That's what, i got to get up because they're showing me the trailer. <laughs> Fuck that. It's on them. <laughs> I'm not going to see their movie because they just showed me the part that they were so proud of.
1: Uh, and reminding me a little bit of one of the few moments in Hunger Games that I didn't hate, uh, the slow motion loosing of the arrow. You know, just so, like, it wasn't as sexual as watching that, as watching Jennifer Lawrence pull that wire back against her full, you know, well fed lips. Like, that was just so <laughs> sultry in Hunger Games. Here, it was just this, like, really cool. You're in the, you're sort of in zone. her bullet time zone. Yeah. And all the way down to the feather, just lightly scratching the
0: side of her face. God, what a beautiful bit of water. And her mom's coming in at her from the side going, and she's still like, fuck you, I got this.
2: Favorite moments of the year so far. That's that just a moment where she, where Merida does that little breathe out, that little exhale that that a sniper or an archer has to do. Yes, and that slow motion of the arrow bending as it flies. Because if you watch uh, uh, archery, like there's some YouTube like really cool archery. Videos uh, where you can see people shooting arrows, and that's the way arrows look. And I just, I loved that sequence that Tom was just describing that her breathing out
1: and the arrow flying was just, oh man, it's
2: so great.
1: And I think that's one of the things that you can really appreciate when a movie's not all about like crazy magic and dragons. I love crazy magic and dragons, but if you can make your movie cool enough to where I can appreciate the beauty of a wobbling arrow. That's fine, uh, it, you know. Yeah. And I just thought they did a great job
0: with that. Um, I bet Kelly McDonald's got magic fingers. <laughs> but
2: they also did uh, great stuff with with uh, the characters' faces and emotions. Um, Merida's. Uh, excuse me for saying that. I know this is going to make Kelly go in a completely different direction, but I want to talk about two things. One is
1: Merida's mouth. <laughs> Go ahead, Kelly. I want to, yeah? What do you got to say about that?
0: <laughs> I'm just listening to Dingus talk about Kelly McDonald's. Her
2: house. mouth is so cool. It's got this yeah. weird, awkward, um, sort of off kilter thing that she does, and She's her teeth aren't perfect. 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 Nope. Yeah, and okay. I love that. Usually uh, pri- Princess's teeth and mouth teeths? teeth, teeth <laughs> and mouth are perfect, and her mouth was sort of off a little bit. And I just, I just thought that was so endearing, and and. And then the uh, the other moment that really knocked me out was when Eleanor, the the mother, has fully dressed her in that ceremonial garb and steps back. I don't know how they do this. I can't understand how animators do this. But there's this moment where Eleanor... You know, she's dealing with this back and forth of the daughter, getting her ready for this ceremony. And she steps back and looks at her. And in that moment, you see this perfect balance of pride and fear and regret yeah. and love. And it's just an amazing moment. And the animation, I just totally got everything that that character was going through. And as good as Emma Thompson is in this, she wasn't, she didn't have to do anything there. That was all animation. Mm-hmm.
0: And Pixar, way to stick it to Emma Thompson.
2: Oh, she's she's wonderful. <laughs> she's absolutely wonderful in this. But she usually it's the voice that's adding something to this and maybe that sort of front loads it. But just just the animation of that that character's expression just blew me away.
1: And Pixar gets this like no one else, I feel. The combination of how how an animated movie, a performance in an animated movie, is a combination of three elements, of, of writing, voice acting, and animation, you know, expressive animation. All three of those need to be spot on. Uh, and if you just go for celebrity voiceovers and, and expect them to carry the, the bulk of the weight there, I I think you're just, you're not going to pull it, pull it off as well. Uh, and I love how Pixar just appreciates all three of those aspects and gets that expressiveness so right. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. What kind of, what sort of reserve, I, there's one thing that, that I really could have done without, that I really did Uh. not want in this movie, uh. Dingus, what, what, do you have something as well? We haven't talked about I, this. I, I'm
2: I, I imagine, I, I, now I don't know for sure, but I imagine we're on the same page. But you go ahead.
1: Well, I... Do not like, there's something so beautiful and timeless about Brave that any intrusion of pop culture jokes, you know, that that sort of DreamWorks type of writing just rubs me the wrong way. And I did not need which jokes about call center, you know, like online call center support in my my princess movie. It's
0: like verbatim
1: from Shrek. Oh my god, I just hated that. Uh just and and mainly because I loved the rest of the movie, so it just felt so incredibly out of place. Uh there's a there's a director's commentary that Brian Singer does on The Usual Suspects. And one of the things he says on the commentary is there's one moment in the movie that he hates and he wishes wasn't in there. And now whenever I watch Usual Suspects, this jumps out at me. But he says there's one moment he gave in at one point and he made a pop culture reference to where some character says something about the Incredible Hulk and the world of Usual Suspects is not the real, like it's its own self-contained world, and a pop culture reference stands out. And Brian Singer explained this in the director's commentary, so I hate that moment when some ancillary character mentions the Incredible Hulk. So I feel the same way about the, some of the jokes with the witch, which I did not need. Uh, and even the little button at the end where the crow asks, you know, it's a UPS joke where you sign for the package. Uh, it just felt like something that, that a second string of they had a second group of writers that came over from DreamWorks for a workshop or something, and they volunteered to use some of their material. Uh, I'm so,
0: usually the fifth line, by the way.
1: Tell you what, you would have, you could have done far better than, than that witch. Stuff. Hey,
0: thanks, man. Yeah, appreciate
1: it. Uh, even so, Diggus, is that what you were thinking of, or did you have something else?
2: Uh, I have to confess that I laughed because the word homunculus was used, and I'm a sucker for cheap laughs. But the whole time that witch, uh, voicemail, whatever the, you know, whatever that was, I was, I felt so dis, I, it was almost disgusting. I just hated that. Yeah. And, and you, you kind of nailed it with a, This is sort of a timeless world kind of thing. I, I really, <laughs> I felt like we'd been transported into a different, into a Shrek movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was really, it really pisses me off that that's in there.
1: Uh, Dingus, what was your son's line? You said he had, so we saw it in a, uh, a, I think it was a Saturday matinee, full of kids, some better behaved than others, but it's the sort of thing where, you know, you're there on a Saturday afternoon, you get what you pay for, so fair enough. And I did enjoy a lot of the children's enthusiasm. Um, but, Dingus, you mentioned that your son had uh, one quip. What was, uh, what was his line? Um, when the, the
2: Scottish suitors first show up, and they're all, they've all, they're all marching into the castle, he he leaned over to uh, his mother and he said, he ha- "She has to marry one of those three dorks."
0: <laughs> wait, he's seven and he's already like, oh god. <laughs> Although he's a vet- wait, what did he think of her though? Mm-hmm. So,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, so Dingus, I'm curious what
0: is <clears throat> what has your son's reaction been since the
1: movie? Like, did it seem to have much impact on him? Has he talked about it afterwards? Uh, Does he want a really tree th- trick?
2: Oh, he he actually is really into archery now. He's going to a day camp, and they offer archery, and all he can talk about is doing archery.
1: Digus, so, <laughs> which, which of the three suitors is your son's archery most reminiscent of? Uh,
2: I would say probably Merida's, because he came back proclaiming that he got a bullseye.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right.
2: But he was disappointed because the arrows were blunted and they just kind of bounce off the targets, but he assured me that he got a all
1: fine. Yeah, you're not going to put uh, anyone's eye out with those kind of arrows. They should get no. real arrows so he could have fun. He was, he was kind of reluctant to see it. Uh, I
2: really wanted to see this movie with him, but because it has a female protagonist, he, I think he was a little shy about it because he's a boy and he wants to see boy stuff. Um, uh-huh. And he really, he also loves, he loves crappy movies, too. I mean, I, well, I, you know, I can't say that. I haven't seen Chipwrecked. I haven't seen Madagascar 3. Um, but he really loved, he loved both those movies. But uh he really liked it. But I think part of it really, he really liked Tom. Tom's one of those people, he's like, is Tom Chick coming? He was just excited about it. Um, and so getting to see it and then sit, sit down, and, and Tom's really good with kids. and and He's like, that, a, he's you know, like a chipmunk. Yeah, right. he's kind of like a chipmunk. And it was asking him, "What's your favorite thing about it?" And 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 the two of them were having a conversation about it. And uh, and my son was excited to talk about the things that were his favorites and his favorite characters. And and he talked about that some that day. But since that time, you know, now, I don't think it has much impact on him going forward. Right. Uh, but I put in. Uh, you know, he was playing all day with his friends uh, around our house because ne- our next door neighbors had a birthday party today. And I and I put The Incredibles into um, the DVD player just because I wanted to watch some of it because I wanted to watch some Pixar stuff to get some ideas for this because I have some ideas about why people are uh, are so down on this movie. Um, and when he saw that that was it, he said, "Oh, are we going to watch The Incredibles?" He just got so excited about it. So. Anyway, I, I, he really liked the movie. We just haven't talked about it much mm-hmm. after.
1: Now, uh, you, uh, I'm actually glad you mentioned the Incredibles because once again, that's a. There's a lot of spectacle there, but that's still a very family first. Well, it's a very family oriented movie. Uh, uh, you know, the Incredibles is great, though. Uh, we all love that, of course. Also by, that's by got Brad spectacle. Bird. That's exactly got spectacle and Absolute. comic book nerd appeal out the wazoo. Yeah, and um, character. It's Brad Bird. right? Uh, so, so Dingus, you mentioned you had some ideas about why people are down on it after having rewatched The Incredibles. What, what, do you, what do you have in mind there?
2: Well, it's not just that. It was after looking at a list of things that Pixar has actually done and feeling that people aren't... Uh, I think people are, are lionizing Pixar uh, uh, and denigrating Disney to an extent that it levels out this movie too much. Um, Pixar's done some some wonderful stuff, but if you look at a list of their movies, I, I mean, there's there's four of there's a few of them that I really love, and there's a few of them, a lot of them that I feel mad about. Right. Um. And then there's a lot of Disney movies I really loved, and so I think that that's true. That people were looking at this movie at Brave as oh, Pixar being contaminated by Disney. And I think they were kind of missing the point of really enjoying Brave. And there's just there's this little short before Brave called La Luna, that is this wonderful little, um, uh, almost a, a little overture about what the what the movie we're about to see is kind of about. It's like making a choice about what you're going to do, regardless of what the grown-ups in your life think you should do. Um, and this little lovely little Luna movie kind of got me ready to see a Pixar movie. And I didn't feel like Pixar was contaminated by Disney. Maybe that witch thing is an example of it. I don't know. Uh, but I, I think people are being unfair.
0: I saw the La Luna message as child labor in the third world. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I missed that. Like gravity being weird.
1: Uh, Dingus, yeah. what do you know about the process? You mentioned Brenda Ch- uh, Chapman. Did I get that right? Yeah. Coming along late in the process? Or uh, it sounds oh, like... It- Go ahead. It was, it was her, it was her story. I mean, she came up with the story.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and she was the person who wrote it. And she was going to be, she would have been, and I guess she sort of still is, the first woman to have directed a Pixar animated feature. Um, and to have written one, I think. And she'd been working on it. She's been working on it for maybe six years. And at some point, they say she's on a leave of absence, but, what what seemed to have happened is that they had creative differences, and she, I think she wanted actually Tom more magic and had other character ideas, and they pushed her to the side and then had another director come on and then another director co-direct with that director. But for, I think for reasons of, because this was a big moment for a woman director, they they decided to... Um, give three people directorial credit, including right. Brenda Chapman. But essentially, she got fired for what they call creative differences.
1: Now, has anyone here seen Prince of Egypt? Because that was... I, she either wrote and or directed that. Like, that was her other major credit before this. Kelly, what, it sounds like you've seen it.
0: Yeah, I don't like it. It's dumb.
1: Okay, because <laughs> this made me, when I looked her up after seeing the movie, it made me think, oh, I should probably see Prince of Egypt, because I loved Brave, so...
0: Prince of Egypt made me go, "Uh, maybe I have
1: to be Jewish to like this.
2: (laughs) I saw Prince of Egypt, and I think it's got some good stuff in it, but it's such a derby of celebrity voices. Mm. I mean, it's it's like Patrick Stewart and Val Kilmer and all of them playing Egyptians, and you're you're constantly sitting there and thinking, "Who's who's that voice? Who's that voice? Who's that voice? And I can't stand it when I have to do that, and I just didn't, I don't, feel that most of the time when I'm going to Pixar movies. Okay. So I unfortunately I can't speak to the quality of Prince of Egypt content. all right. Okay,
0: It's like a whitewash and musical montages of like child slang and I don't know. It's kind of a bummer, isn't it? I they mean, have brothers too. Pharaoh and Moses are brothers at the beginning. Prince That's of like, Egypt is about Pharaoh and Moses? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tom. <laughs> How would Moses, I know that?
2: I think I think Moses is played by Val Kilmer and, and Pharaoh was played by Patrick Stewart. I might be wrong
0: about that. Tom, you didn't know Pharaoh's sons were also called princes, and Moses was a prince. Isn't that the famous myth of, from Genesis? <laughs> Hello. Are there are there, a, are there any cute
1: fun. animal sidekicks in it? And does Rosie O'Donnell do some of the voices? <laughs> uh, what's that guy's name? Aaron. You know what? I'm sure now. Rosie I'm, O'Donnell. There's a There's a Tarzan movie. And Rosie O'Donnell's the sidekick monkey, so both of you can. This isn't. I'm pretty sure that's true.
0: Dude. No, what? That's, that's such a. You have the weirdest fantasies. One two three, not only you and me, got one, duck tails, and I'm calling the down
2: with <laughs> three but everybody.
0: Do You want to hear my backup line? That I didn't know you were going to do that. I was going to say, Tom's a chipmunculus. But Magic Mike's a hunculus. <laughs> no, that was... I, I liked where we ended up. <laughs> yeah, Rosie O'Donnell <laughs> sucking an apes. What are you talking about? Whoa, 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 whoa. Is that what you were saying? <laughs> a Tarzan movie? No stop. When a, was a, the last Tarzan yeah? movie ever? Ninety seven. I don't know. Wait, wait No, was it was twenty
2: twelve. There's a there's a Magic Mike is totally a Tarzan movie. That's
0: true. Actually, Magic Mike, Mike just, was in the jungle. DDZX. is making me want to see Magic Mike. That's my, the
2: that's lady my job. He
0: slit bananas in his thong after he dances in Tom's movie, Fantasy. <sighs> oh, you know? Kelly, please, fuck. <laughs> that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Rosie O'Donnell in a Tarzan movie. You know, Rosie O'Donnell's startup exit to Eden, Kelly Wand, I'm sure you yes. you're familiar with her. Yeah, that was a Tarzan movie, too, because it was in Highlands. There's a shipwreck, and there's <laughs> <laughs> jewel thieves. There's a black lady. Oh. Let's do a three-by-three. Three. Yeah, really. Let's.
1: All right, this week's 3 by 3 is our, these are our favorite characters with disabilities. Uh, Dingus actually interjected last week when I said something about disabled characters. That sounds and, weird. And my temptation was to kind of make fun of him because it, it sounded like a little political correctness. But, but thinking about it over the week, uh, Dingus, I want to give you a chance to explain that again because I've certainly been thinking about it, and I think it's worth saying what you had to say before. So can you tell us a little bit about what reservations you had about me introducing this as a topic about disabled characters?
2: Um, all right, I, pre- I really appreciate you uh, uh, reintroducing this, and I think it's really cool that you have um, the the idea. And it, I, the only reason I know this is because my wife uh, works in the area of special education, and and um, and I'm around people who do that all the time. And so it's really important to the people who work in this field. That you follow this thing called people first language. So, for instance, if, if uh, just to give you an idea of something not related to a disability necessarily. So, if somebody has cancer, you don't call them a cancer person. You, you call them a person with cancer. So, so the idea is that you're you're talking about the the person, not defining them by their disability, but they're a person first, and then whatever they have is what they have. Mm-hmm. So, so like if if. Uh, If I have a learning disability, I'm a man with a learning disability, and I'm not a learning disabled man. Mm
1: -hmm. And uh, part of why, when when you said that, as I was thinking about it, you know, part of why I wanted to resist just being dismissive of it as political correctness is all three of us uh, here are writers. And I think as writers, we understand the value of words and how we use them. So I, in thinking about it, definitely appreciate the, you know, I will look at a sentence and I will change around the order of words and what words I use because I feel it's an important way of how we express ourselves. So I'm very glad you mentioned this, Dingus, uh, and I, I definitely appreciated hearing that. So good. Thank you. So, this three by three is not about disabled people. It's about characters with disabilities. Uh, and they're these are presented in many different ways in movies. Uh, what I want from you guys are three examples of characters that you like and, and I want you to tell me why what's cool about them what do you What do you like about these characters with disabilities? So uh, because Kelly Wan is introducing next week's three by three, it is with some trepidation that I turn it over to him for his first <laughs> choice.
0: In this uh, in this category, I don't blame your resolution. <laughs> well-founded, but I just see my disability as uh, tactlessness. So <laughs> fuck you guys <laughs> and your bullshit. No, I don't know, Now I feel bad. And I hope Wendy doesn't listen to the podcast. That's my. She she's, su-
2: she's super excited to listen to this part of it because oh, when, I, when I told her I that, that Tom wanted to
0: talk What's about this, she me? She lit up. I mean, I gotta change my I, up list now. Thanks.
2: Actually. No, no, no. Go ahead. She oh, she no. loves you regardless. Once well, once she met you, she's like, wow, I get it. I get the Kelly Wan vibe.
1: Yeah, Kelly Wan, she understands that you're a person with tactlessness. <laughs> she knows that.
0: <laughs> I need, I need treatment. I need shock treatment.
1: I, I mean, but to be fair though, Kelly Wan, seriously, think about it. You were, you, I know you care as much about words as I do. You are a writer. It matters to you. And you, you take pride as a writer in the fact that you care about words. You know what they mean. You use them a very particular way. Uh, so why should that be any different in how you talk?
0: No, yeah. and I also think it's funny how people misuse words and lazily. Right. I like malapropisms, and I like stupid people. I think they're funny, like that's their their disability makes. but if I can laugh at stupid people and we all do like if, if the president's dumb, we all laugh, so that's acceptable then um. Then everything's fair game.
1: But that, when nobody's saying don't laugh. Uh, you know, nobody's saying it, right. it, it, it's it's off limits for humor. Uh, it's just that when Dingus said this last week, my temptation was to think, oh, he's being politically correct. If that correct? If that's silly. But the more I thought about it, the more I could appreciate it from the perspective of a writer. That you know what? That matters. You know how we talk matters. So why not bring that up and sort of introduce it into the mix?
0: My thinking is, if I have a disability, or if I lose my leg falling asleep on railroad tracks, which is something. Um, that's very likely in the next year or two. Um, you know, I, would, I will still make jokes about it, and everyone else can, too, so it's it's okay for me then, in this hypothetical future, it's okay for me now in the present. Well, you
2: can keep making jokes about whatever you want to make jokes about. Right. But uh, my, my reaction was exactly the same as Tom's the first time I was told the same thing. I, 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 I went through the same sort of process, although of not as quickly as he did. I, I right. just and and in fact, with my number two choice, uh, I'll I'll elaborate on this because I, I went through much the same um, sort of uh, transition that Tom went through.
1: And and actually, let's talk about it in, the, in in some like in some of these, it's more awkward and more difficult to deal with than others. So absolutely. So right. let, we'll we'll table this. So so basically, Kelly Wand, uh, what is your number three? How did you approach the topic? Sort of talk us over to your your. All right. Well, topic. they're all kind of different in theme.
0: Ah. Uh, Right, so you didn't think I... Yeah, that's pretty profound, isn't it, Tom? <laughs> no matter what saying. I say now, I've already been profound just by saying that.
1: I was pretty sure they would all be
0: from Zapped. That's not a disability, it's a superpower. <laughs> he gets telekinesis, Tom. How is that a disability? Because he gets... Uh, or are you talking about the other guy's disability, his friend, because he's kind of a dumbass? You know, you sometimes talk as if you think I've seen Zapped. <laughs> I think you watch it regularly, and you're ashamed.
2: I love that line. I want that line to appear in a movie. You know you sometimes talk as if I've seen Zap.
0: It should be a line in Zapped, the reboot starring Andrew Garfield. Um but yeah, I think Human Misery's funny and I think um Discomfort's funny. So mm-hmm. it's just one more awesome thing to make fun of, I guess. Okay. Thanks Kelly. I just sucks your fucking choices and shut the fuck up. But see the thing is,
1: yeah. I just so I want you to know, no one's saying don't make fun of it, don't make jokes about yeah. it. Just yeah. when you're talking about it, how you talk about it matters. That's the only thing, the only point that I want to make, and why I'm glad Dingus brought this up. I Nobody is saying you can't laugh at the their goofy bastards bit in something about Mary. <laughs> uh, right? Exactly. Thank Right. You so so we're on the same page. I I just want to say I don't think any of us necessarily disagrees.
0: Uh, right. Right. So
1: all right. So that said, Kelly Wand. All three of yours, interestingly enough, are thematically different. What's the, the- what's your number three? And uh, that's what that- they
0: have in common is that they're all different. Sneaky. <laughs> My number three is Ash from Evil Dead Two, because uh, <laughs> it's inspirational, uh, and they should show it in <laughs> veterans' hospitals instead of Battleship, <laughs> which I bet they will show because st- people are fucking stupid. Never mind. Yeah, Ash, Evil Dead too. But you know, I've, I have no room to talk, considering some of what I've picked. But Okay, so, so Ash, what's
2: the, are we going to talk about what's the disability? Yeah, what's his disability? He
0: gets his hand-possessed, so he has to cut it off with a knife and then a chainsaw. But he becomes handy-capable, because he takes what could have been a lame amputation, and, you know, he has to go around and, like, get used to a new life, and he turns it into an awesome new weapon you can use to kill zombies who are trying to possess him and his girlfriend, and take him to another time. So... Even in the other time, they go, "Wow, this disability is not as bad as we thought." This guy from the future has shown us the way, and so, therefore, um, chainsaw weapons would have been invented 700 years earlier. So that's kind of cool. See, so he's helping the past and the present. Kelly, one, just hypothetically, what would have happened if he had not cut his hand off? <laughs> I guess it would have possessed his dick. <laughs> One. Uh, Kelly Wan does not that disappoint. Would have been my number three.
1: <laughs> All Welcome, right. slaves. Dingus, what is your number three pick for a favorite character hey, with a disability? Yeah, how can, how can you think,
0: top that? I think the everywhere around the world, listener, like disabled listeners are going, yeah, Juan, thank you. Very inspirational. And clapping <laughs> with their one hand, which is deafening, despite the force. Alright, I'll sit up. Go, Dingus. Sorry.
2: All right, right out, right out of the gate, I don't know if this even qualifies, but I'm going to go ahead and uh, choose this one anyway and give you a line from
1: it. Mm, yes, give us a line. I, I've got a good feel. I think I'm going to get this one. Go. I think you are going to get this one, Tom. Here's the line. Do you people have clubs? Okay, we're going to skip that and table yeah. it to my discussion of the number two because that was my number two pick. All right, good. Uh, all right, so uh, I love this pick, and I specifically, like Kelly Wand, all three of mine, were they sort of approach the topic differently, uh, and this is one of my favorite ways to do it. So, Dingus, explain the movie, explain the disability, explain the character. What, what's going on here? What, what have you just done?
2: If you really want to table it to number
1: two, we can do that. No, not at all. Let's talk about it now. Oh. I'm, I'm eager to talk about it. All right, the
2: disability is, um, ac- I don't know how to say it, acoplastic dwarfism. The character is Finn Bar McBride, and the actor is Peter Dinklage. And the movie is The Station Agent, directed by Thomas McCarthy.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So uh, so uh, what I love about this is is that I love how it's a part of who the character is, and it's not ignored, but it, it doesn't feel like this movie is about a character who is dwarfed um but it's definitely a part of of who he is and i i don't i don't really know how to express this and when i was thinking about this i just kept thinking about the station agent and i kept feeling guilty and wondering uh, do does a does a person who's a dwarf or a person who has dwarfism or how you say that I don't know even though I'm the one who brought up the idea of people first language do they consider that a disability and if you look it up that there there's a genetic component and and the Americans with Disabilities Act and they're they're covered under that, so technically yes. But does Peter does Peter Dinklage consider himself as a person with a disability, and does he consider this character as somebody with a disability? But clearly, when you get to that line that I just quoted, "Do you people have clubs?" He he addresses that as if he's talking to somebody who's an idiot talking to him about his disability. Right. And and so I I just love the way this movie deals with that across the board.
1: It is is such a great moment for how the listener, that, you know, you as a viewer, uh, Finbar as a character, how you bring baggage to this innocent question. You know, Bobby Cannavale, is just, he's just shooting the breeze with this fella who he doesn't care that the fella's a dwarf. He's just talking to a guy. And when he says, do you people have clubs? That's not what he's talking about. He's not (laughs) talking to a dwarf. He's talking to a guy who's just said, hey, I'm really into trains. I mean, that's literally what's happening in the scene. So when Bobby Cannavale says, "Do you people have clubs?" he's talking about people who love trains. And we, as a listener, you know, we sort of uh, get put on edge, like, "Wow, he's just introduced this weird thing." And certainly Finbar's put on edge. So there's so much just that that scene is so lovely for how it just brings so much baggage from from everyone concerned into this one little exchange, uh, yeah. and how it colors how it colors really innocent interactions. Uh, and I love that scene. Uh, and as far as like how movies treat disabilities, uh, this, is, this was my number two pick because it, it's not about, as Dinga said, it's not about the disability. It is not about dwarfs. It's about isolation. It's about alienation, feeling cut off from other people. It's about loneliness. And the, the shorthand way that Thomas McCarthy gets to telling this story tom mccarthy gets to telling this story is by having the, the, the lead character be a dwarf uh and we can all understand that the moment we see him you know it, it's it's not something that the movie directly addresses he's just there this is who he is this is his condition and this is him going through life struggling with the same feelings of loneliness and isolation that anybody can understand and i love that about about station agent um Thomas McCarthy, I don't, does he go by Tom? I think Tom McCarthy has said.
2: I prefer to hear Tom McCarthy, but when you look it up on IMDb, it's Thomas, and that might just be a Guild thing, but I like hearing Tom McCarthy.
1: Yeah, I'm so used to hearing it. He seems like a Tom. He doesn't seem like a Thomas. He's such an, I mean, certainly the movies he's made. Yeah, I seem like a Thomas. Please, everybody knows that. But Tom McCarthy. Uh, But Tom McCarthy has said he did not want it to be a movie about, quote, uh, he didn't want it to be a, quote, coming of height story. You know, about how someone is uh, is overcoming his disability. That's not what it's about. It's just about somebody struggling with, with loneliness and isolation. Uh, and, and so I, I love Station Agent. It was my favorite movie of the year. Certainly seeing uh, Peter Dinklage in this role, uh, just an amazing bit of work. Um, so all right, that's my number two, and Dinkus is a uh, number three. Kelly, one, have you even seen Station Agent?
0: No, I don't see movies about trains. <laughs> but, um, I don't consider Peter Dinklage to have a disability because he's super fucking handsome. He's like the Elvis. <laughs> well, Paul Giamatti. Paul <laughs> Giamatti's not short, but he's pear shaped and kind of funky looking. So in a way, Win Win should be the disability movie, and Station Agent's about like a rich. Is there a connection between those two movies, Kelly? Isn't it Tom McCarthy? Thomas McCarthy, maybe?
2: Is there another one?
0: Uh, Bobby Cannavale. of all knowledge. Uh, you win. Uh, uh, Peter Dinklage also, to his immense credit, has really
1: made dwarfism look kind of sexy with Game of Thrones. I mean, the, the character
0: Tyrion Lannister, is that... He's I, supposed I mean, to be really ugly, by the way. <laughs> the I like that Tom pretended not
2: to know the character. <laughs>
0: but, but, Shut up! <laughs> Tyrion, what? Tyrion... <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, Station Agent, I saw 13 years ago. I remember every...
1: <laughs> That's a talk. Uh, all right, well, Kelly Wan, you should see Station Agent sometime and The Visitor. Not the one you're thinking
0: of. <laughs> oh, the... Um,
1: not the one with John Huston. John Houston. No, you've seen that one, I don't. I, I made you watch. It. <laughs> <Just> like,
0: <laughs> I Is that the stupidest thing I've made you watch? No, good Lord, no. I let me see. see. Well, you know what? I didn't think it was cute. I was okay with watching The Visitor. I love that kind of thing. It's a very expensive, asshole that fucking DVD, so you have to pretend you <laughs> like it when we talk.
1: I thought you meant the movie. I was like, I didn't see much of a budget in The Visitor. Yeah.
2: My favorite uh, Kelly One recommendation, I think, was London, because then yeah. Tom talked about it, and Kelly said, I didn't see the yeah. end.
0: Yeah, Tom didn't like that they get back together, that ruined the whole movie. But I was just like, uh, well, Tom, Tom just really Camille. loved the movie, and he's like, what did you think about the end, Kelly? And Kelly's like, I didn't watch it. Yeah, it's like talking about the animation and Brave and I'm like listening to Kelly McDonald's voice. <laughs> uh all right, so Kelly Wand, uh fascinating.
1: Wand. You're oh wait, so no hold on. My number three, we're gonna three, do that three, Yeah, Yeah, so my number three pick. Uh so another option you can take for dealing with a character with disabilities, you can either uh have the movie just be about uh, uh you, you know, people with disabilities or just like people without disabilities, they in in that uh they, they deal with the same things, the same feelings of loneliness and isolation, you know. Having a disability is, it does not excuse you from the normal bits of the human condition. Uh, however, some movies instead have a character with a disability, and they make that character, they just gloss it over entirely, and they make that character basically a superhero. And they kind of glorify, hey, here's a blind guy, but boy, he can do everything that regular people can't do, and then some. He's like Superman, like, like the stupid daredevil thing. Isn't he blind, Kelly Wand? Yeah, but he's got super bat senses, right? So and that's, well, that's in and case. that's like the, uh, the <laughs> looking at isotopes. Well, that's how they get around this <laughs> lawyer mind. Like all of his other senses are super developed. So, so what if he can't see? So, my favorite example of that kind of silliness um, is no, I don't like Daredevil. Oh. Uh, is uh, I think this is actually one of the great 80s action movies, but so few people have seen it, which is really odd to me. I don't know why this movie isn't as popular as anything with but Schwarzenegger I or, well, you, I'm sure you know it, it anyth- as popular as anything with Schwarzenegger, Chuck Norris, or Jean-Claude Van Damme. One of the great 80s action movies is Rutger Hauer yes. as a blind guy in Blind Fury, which is basically a remake of a, ser- of a series of samurai movies called Zedouichi, where there's a blind samurai uh, and they just took the samurai stuff out of it, and they made this movie about a Vietnam vet, and he's even rescuing a kid, stuff that Kelly Wand hates, but there's awesome fight scenes in it, great Rutger Hauer performance, and it's just a super badass swordsman who happens to be blind, it, you know? Uh, and so Blind Fury, I love that movie, and I love the fact that it's like, hey, he's blind, but so what? He kicks ass ten times more than anybody who can see. That's what you would have guessed, right? You know Blind Fury, right, Kelly Wand? That's what I was
0: going to guess. Yeah, and It was almost my number two, but then, yeah, for some reason. Right. But I do love that movie, and I love Rucker Hauer, like in most movies. Why haven't more people seen that? Um, maybe they thought it was audio only? <laughs> well, actually, what I think it is, is Rucker Hauer was not like a box office draw. It was after, even when he was at all,
1: too. Well, it was after Blade Runner, so, like, folks knew who he was, but he wasn't, like, a short, he wasn't, like, a, a box office draw, like, a lead action hero character.
0: He's guy. great, though. Did you see Flesh and Blood, the siege one, with Jennifer Jason Leigh? Oh, yeah. There's nudity in that, uh, of course. There's some nudity. Uh, I
2: rent, I rented that just because I knew there was going to be nudity in it. Oh, good lord. I Unfortunately, it
1: it, it's, it's, a, it's a
0: little rapey. Yeah, it is a little rapey. Uh, you guys are gross. I thought I saw Blood of Heroes. How's that? Which is just rapey enough.
1: What? That's, there's none of that in. Is wait? Is there... I don't think I've seen that.
0: Come on, you have it. It's the post-apocalypse. I don't see movies with blood in, and something else in the title unless blood's the second one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's just how I roll. That's, I, I got a quota. There's more. He loves heroes of blood. Yes. But not and throwing a blood's fine, but blood on the anything <laughs> asphalt overrated. Uh, all right,
1: well Kelly One, what is your number two pick then, uh, for a favorite character with with a
0: disability? What do you got for us? It's a different
1: want, theme than Ash and Evil Dead two, I presume.
0: Yeah, this one will probably be my least popular with things. But uh <laughs> Did you guys see Brain Candy? I have a, did we see Brain Candy? Did you guys see? Did you guys eat Brain Candy? My number two is Cancer Boy and Brain Candy, but it's more just the fact that it's like the other guy's reaction to him because it's like an uncomfortable conversation that just keeps going. I like the podcast.
1: So I'm confusing Brain Candy with Strangers with Candy, which I also haven't seen. I like uh, that too. Did you? See, I, that's a good movie. I don't see movies with candy in the title. Did you see, see what I did there?
2: Ooh,
0: oh, gone. you
1: saw, oh, so you didn't
2: see Ellen Page. I thought Page. Strangers with Candy was a
0: television show. Oh, no, so you, you. Didn't see any of the Tony Todd movies. Interesting. I win.
1: Or uh, or the movie where Ellen Page I turns just the tables on a... Hard I Candy? Opened, you did not do a Hard candy? candy?
0: Go listen to the podcast. Go listen.
1: Dingus, <laughs> back me up. All right, well, tell us about Brain Candy. What's, what's the character in this, and what makes it your second favorite? Uh, your, your number two choice for the, for the topic.
0: Because he's uh, in a wheelchair and shake hands with the guy, and he gives him candy, but it's not the brain candy. But it, actually, his parents are on the brain candy. Wait a minute! Is Brain Candy the kids in the hall thing? Yeah, it's a good movie. You didn't like it? Why do you hate Canadian humor? You racist?
1: Man, I don't, no, I've never seen this. I mean, I'm not. I'm not sure. I like. I love all of those guys individually,
0: but I'm not a huge fan of that. That show, I think. They're hit and miss, but I like Brain Candy, and I like Strangers with Candy. Most movies based on a comedy, that have comedy troops in them are good. Reno 911 Miami was really good.
1: How about that, uh, that, uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail thing?
0: You like that? That's different. <laughs> That's like Prince of Egypt, but in different media. <laughs> uh all right so kelly wanted a where? kids in
1: the hall movie sketch where apparently a boy has cancer and something something uncomfortable does
0: that does that pretty much get it yeah all right but it's like a timing thing and makeup which is why it edged out guy pierce and oh wait no that's something else never mind you were going to talk about lockdown weren't you No, I was going to talk about Prometheus. Wait, which one's Lockdown? Oh, wait, that's that one you saw. Yeah, that's the Space Prison one. That's the one we were getting a podcast about, and then you saw it, and you went, nah, I'm not talking about that shit for an hour.
1: Yeah, I definitely saved you guys. It's on DVD now, though, so you can uh, enjoy it. Uh, Like in that tone, like, there's no, I'll quit the podcast before I talk about it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yep. but,
1: but then I went and talked about it for like 30 minutes on one yeah and you made course. it sound
0: awesome yeah well, I screwed and that you up made you go damn that Tom now he want to was that the one where the camera pans and you see the guy yeah and
1: all the guys are standing behind him and it had the voice activated grenades and uh, yeah and
0: the one. guy goes oh shit Right. Wait, what does he say? Was that what it was? Yeah, or, yeah. Oh, and fuck.
1: Yeah, he picks it up, and it, a little light comes on. It says, voice activated. And he goes, oh, shit, and then blows himself up. <laughs> he actually says something when he sees that it, it says it's voice activated. I'm
0: bummed it didn't say voice activated.
1: It did. Yeah. Oh, the, it, it says the words voice activated in little lights, like a little display. No, it doesn't say them verbally.
0: Correct, because then it would set itself off. So, wait, would that joke work if we on uh, now, since we're on this topic, in a closed caption environment? Like, if he goes, it's voice activated and the subtitle is voice activated, then the deaf person watching sees them say, oh shit, and then they go. So did they laugh at that?
1: One, you've just gone deep down a rabbit hole that I would elect not to follow you down. <sighs> Diggis, what is your number two pick for a favorite character with a disability? And maybe you maybe have a line from the movie you can give us. Uh, I will, but I just want to say that
2: I've I really liked Brain Candy. <laughs>
0: Yeah. See. Okay. Good. I love
2: I love would... the kids in the hall, and I had many. I had many. I remember having many laughs of brain candy. So I'm. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's I'm acting. not going to. I am not. You know. I'm not going to turn off It just seemed a funny Kelly.
0: character. Okay. Thank you. Because I you can know, see where you wouldn't find it funny. But, but the
2: pill the pills are made
0: of monkey cum. Right. See. <laughs> what? Tom doesn't get it. I don't get it. What on earth are you guys talking I don't even want to know. That's I remember when, when when Siskel and Ebert reviewed Brain Candy and Siskel liked it and Ebert said, no, we can't talk about this ever. And Siskel's all, yeah, we ha- we're being paid to talk about it. We have to talk about it. Nope, not funny. Like he wouldn't say. He was like that pissed off about it. Fuck you. I, I, miss, I miss Gene Siskel. That's awesome. I know.
1: Too. I, know. I, know.
0: What do I know? love Gene Siskel. God damn it. Yeah. Who knew this would turn into... Yeah. this all
2: right uh, right so my number two choice here's a here's a quote from it
0: hebert's the one who's disabled and we miss the dead person more Beyond the disabled character her characters with disabilities sorry continue I like noting ironies even when they're really trivial and consequential and trivial uh, all
2: right here's the, here's the quote from
0: my number two
2: to bring the room down a bit I still take my boots off, so I won't wake her up.
1: Why is Dingus picking my number one? Says, what do you have that's better than that, Dingus?
2: Uh, something that's totally...
1: Strange. Wait a minute. Hold on. Did you pick the wrong character in the movie, though? I'm guessing you picked the same movie as me, but you picked the wrong character.
2: I knew this was going to happen, and I'm so happy.
1: <laughs> all right. Dingus has broken the three by three by doing it yeah. wrong. Uh, all right. So the movie, of course, Take Shelter. Dingus, what character in Take Shelter with a disability is your one of your favorite characters with disabilities? Clearly,
2: Hannah and yours is. Uh,
1: what's Curtis? Curtis, Curtis, yes. Good lord, I can't think of my disability. All right, so uh, take shelter. I don't know if oh, you right. see, if you listen to this podcast and you have not seen Take Shelter by now, we obviously have not done our job. Uh, but we're going to talk a little bit about spoilers for Take Shelter. So uh, the magic voice will come in in just a minute and tell you how far, how far forward to fast forward to avoid the spoilers. Here it is, magic voice. Hello, this is Magic Voice from the future telling you to fast forward 10 minutes to miss the Take Shelter spoilers. All right, so we are now in spoiler territory for Take Shelter. Dingus, there's a a deaf girl in the movie. And then, of course, some people, myself included, would argue that the movie is about uh, a a fellow struggling with mental illness.
2: I I would agree with you on that, too. I totally agree with that.
1: So, but why do you then pick? What What is it about the little girl character that that made that your pick and not Curtis? Uh, maybe, I, uh, maybe Curtis is your number one pick, so maybe I'm speaking prematurely. Uh, Make, pick the same movie for your number one and two. That would, would have been quite a coup. But interpretation
0: of the movie is that he's not crazy. Then it's not a disability.
2: No, my my interpretation of the movie, as I made clear over and over again, is that I think both things can be true, and I think that Tom is absolutely great. To choose uh, to choose Curtis, I chose Hannah, um, and the disability being deafness, and and this is why it's awkward because the deaf community doesn't view this as a disability; uh, they view it as a culture. And so, whereas I talked about at the beginning of this, thanks to Tom, uh, that use pre- people first language, deaf deaf people don't view it that way in fact they use deaf with a capital d because they don't see it as a as a disability it's a culture and i didn't understand this and i fought against it when my wife talked about it. and i have friends who work with this community regularly so i still don't understand it um so i feel a bit awkward choosing this but i i love it because uh, well first of all the character is hannah the actor is named tova stewart who is indeed a a a deaf girl. I didn't realize that until oh. I did a little research. Wow. Uh, yeah. Um, and I, and I chose this because of how the family, what the things I love about take shelter and the fact that this daughter is deaf is that it's clear that the family is learning to deal with this recently. It, it wasn't uh, that the baby was born this way. It was that, that something happened so that the daughter is deaf recently. And she's, I don't know, six or seven years old, I guess. And, and they're learning to deal with it. They're learning sign language learning to communicate with each other. And that quote I just said, I, I, I still take my boots off so that I won't grow up, is part of that. And, and I love how it figures into the terror of their lives, specifically about losing health insurance and getting her taken care of, and, and how that figures into what Tom is going to talk about with what Curtis is dealing with. So it's not specifically what Tova Stewart is doing because i can't really remember a great deal of that but it's the the fact of the character being deaf and how that de- how that sort of ripples out to to increase the terror in the family
1: Yeah, well done, well done. I guess you've won me over. I don't know it's better than my pick, but I I really like that's that's a very good point. Hannah's deafness is such a huge part of the action and the character motivations, and it's so much better than the usual. Oh, my daughter needs an operation, so I need to do this bank heist. One last bank heist to get the money. (laughs) uh, Like it doesn't do that thing. It's about the very real concern that a parent of a child with that kind of disability has to deal with with things like healthcare. Um, and and them going to classes for sign language and uh, right. like I love all of that. I love watching them struggle with that in the movie and how it presents it. Uh, so the,
0: go yeah, ahead. I, I was going to I was go just gonna say he's also a character who kind of has trouble expressing himself too. So the fact that he has a deaf daughter makes him. More texture
1: yeah I mean. well the, yeah yeah he 's not this this normal articulate Hollywood invention absolutely he 's a regular guy uh, so so my pick from take shelter and and one of the reasons I love take shelter is that it 's uh, it's a story about mental illness told from the main character's perspective. And Kelly Wanda, I want you to get in here and give me your inter- interpretation in a second. But uh, what I loved about Take Shelter was how it unfolded this confusion about what it must be like to to have mental illness creeping up on you after you've already grown up. And you know it's a specter in your family. You know there is a, a genetic component. Uh, and as it starts to over. Come you and overtake you and make you do things and see things and experience things uh, the, the character and Take Shelter uh, carry, takes us along on this journey with him uh, and I love how the movie presents it and the uncertainty of it and how he's struggling to maintain his dignity and how he's struggling to not let it impact these loving relationships in his life and I especially like how the movie is about him eventually seeking help and being supported by his loved ones uh, to deal with this uh, and I contrast it to a movie I hated, I absolutely loathed, called A Beautiful Mind, which Ugh. has such an incredibly facile and, to me, offensive representation of mental illness. as something that you just sort of power through, and then you're fine, and it's okay. Uh, so I I just loved the uh, way it was represented in Take Shelter. I loved Michael Shannon's performance, uh, and I loved the subtlety that I think... It, you know it wasn't an issue of the week kind of thing uh it was kind of a mystery in a way it was like presented as, a, as almost a mystery movie is this a movie about a prophecy in the end of the world or is it a movie about a guy who's who, who's struggling with mental illness and i feel very strongly that it is the latter uh now kelly wand you do take issue with that i will give you the last word uh do you think i'm uh,
0: misreading take shelter No, I think you're probably right, but I think my interpretation works, and I think you don't think it works at all. Like, there's no way you could be right, but I think you could be, you could still enjoy the movie under my auspice.
1: And I definitely agree with that, yes. Anybody, like, the movie has so many things going for it that I think you could even, as I would put it, miss the point, or misunderstand it, uh, (laughs) and still, still dig the movie.
0: Like, you see it as it under, if he's not, if he's seeing actual things happen, then it undercuts what to you is a much more important point at the end. And that's right. why that interpretation annoys you.
1: Well, it's not that it annoys me. It's just that it, it gets to what I've talked about before, and it's the difference between subtlety and ambiguity. Sure. I don't think there's any ambiguity in Take Shelter. I think there's a lot of subtlety, though. And I think a lot of modern moviegoers mistake the two, and that's I think that... that that screws up what directors are trying to show you a lot. And that's fine. You know, I don't expect that everyone understand movies perfectly or agrees with my interpretation or experiences them the way that I do or even experiences them the way the director wants them to experience them. You know, a movie is your own thing. Right. But I, I, I feel strongly that, that there is no ambiguity about Take Shelter.
2: Um, I agree. I just totally disagree with your
0: interpretation. <laughs> I tend to be, like, usually wrong about it. Like, I even think the... Uh Conquistador stuff and the fountain's real, and no one thinks that's real except me. Like, well, there,
1: there's I'm a, clear, I mean, I think there's a lot of ambiguity in the in the fountain.
0: I mean, I mean, the fountain is
1: is almost more like poetry than than a typical narrative. So I'll grant you that.
2: But it you, might part, it might partly be about that, and that's what's so wonderful about it,
0: yeah. right? Uh, but with Take Shelter, I think Tom's actually analyzed the angles of the shots and like. No, we all have. And I and I, I know, love in, in depth, I see, love some the some way Tom talked
2: about Take Shelter. It's one of my favorite things to listen That's to. That's true. And it's the way he fun. writes about it too, because it, it just makes me so I, I can't really describe what this means, but I'd love to 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 get involved in that kind of discussion and read the kind of things that Tom writes about it. Um because Take Shelter was my favorite movie last year and and I just get so much about about I get so much from my friends loving a movie that much and writing the way that Tom writes or talks about it. I just yeah, love.
0: It. it's very rare. And even when, and a lot of movies where, even if Tom writes about it really impassionately, like Hannah, like I can't care that much. But with Take Shelter, I'm kind of like, it does spark endless interesting discussion.
1: So, so actually, let me just ask you this, kelly One, Then would you say that, that Take Shelter is not a movie about a guy with a disability?
0: Uh, you know it is, but he could also be right. Like that's the prophecy. Because prophecies in the Bible and stuff were always happening to people with disabilities, and aliens were always uh, sticking things up the buttholes of rednecks, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is what's, what what takes shelters really. High. Which, if you ask me, is a disability.
1: In uh, Prince part. of in Prince of Egypt, did yes. Moses did Moses stutter?
0: Moses found the tablets, but they were handed to him by an engineer from before time began because he drank the black goo. And <laughs> uh, Moses actually stuttered in the Bible,
1: just so you know. I don't know if they had that disability for him in uh, Prince of Egypt. I didn't know Prince of Egypt was about Moses, so I'm way behind the curve on that. Wait, what do you mean stutter? It's a musical. He's, Moses- he's anticipating your number one, by the way. Actually, I'm I mean, not. I, I don't know what that is. But no, Moses stutter. Like there's something in the Bible where he he's basically saying, "Hey, don't don't have me do this, God. I don't. I have a stutter." Oh, um, you're right.
0: You're right. God's all. Oh okay. Okay. I I thought,
2: no, it'd be funny. <laughs> I thought you were talking about. I thought you were talking about Kelly's favorite movie from two
0: years ago. God yeah. gave him the stutter, so the whole conversation's kind of yeah. dumb, isn't it? Oh, we'll find out.
1: All right, let, let's let's uh, segue out of the take shelter spoilers. So we are now done with them. So nobody spoil take shelter. Uh, and let's emerge from that. So it's on two of our lists. Uh, it's had two places, although there might still, Dingus might get it on the list a second time, and maybe Kelly Wand has picked it for his number one choice. Kelly Wand is your number one choice for a character with a
0: disability? Take shelter, yes or no? No. no. Ah. All right, what do you got then? Why? Because <laughs> I have to talk more now, and you're like, ah, oh, I <laughs> listen some Kelly jibber more. I'll make it quick. Uh, I, I was to was- you jibber. No, you it's, it, As as a, if that's your disability, I think it's funny. I think he thought it was funny at first, like Woody Allen, and now you missed the early funny Kelly. <laughs> I never thought Woody Allen was funny at first. I just oh. want to explain that. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate it. You. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're really coming together on this podcast, just like the kingdoms in the movie we saw. I love and it when we Mike, come together. When all the strippers come together, <laughs> and when oh, and when Tom said the word "slapsticky" earlier. It made me think of Magic Mike, even though I haven't seen Magic Mike. But also I was thinking, a couple seconds ago, since everything I think is totally worth gibbering about on the internet endlessly, if there's like a musical, but it's all stutterers, like, do we, should we go see that, like, in the same spirit as I Am Sam? Like, alright, we have to pretend this is good. Uh, first of all, you might have scooped Dingus' as number
1: one. <laughs> <laughs> and second of all, is
0: your pick, therefore, a musical? There's a movie where uh, Matthew McConaughey, his whole family's uh, midgets and dwarves. Tiny Toes, or no, Toes, Twinkle Toes. Or what you, you know what it call? was. You knew the title. I like what I'm hearing. No, yes. I don't
1: know. I got it wrong. It's something. Tip-toes. Toes. Tip-toes. tiptoes.
0: Tiptoes, yes, Tiptoes. Wait, let's do a podcast on that one. I dare you to see Tiptoes. And then on. he, and it's, so it's like all dwarves, and Matthew McConaughey is the one non-dwarf in the family. And he yes. has to bring yes. Kate Beckinsale to meet the family. Yeah. Wacky. <laughs> yeah. It's like failure to launch, but with dwarves. Uh, One of the great
1: uh, regrets I have about Sundance was seeing a screening of of Tiptoes and hating it, of course. It's a wretched movie. And then immediately leaving the theater to make another screening somewhere across Park City. You know, there's a lot of that when you go to Sundance. And then later afterwards, hearing that the director got up for the Q&A process and basically slagged the movie and said, I know this sucks. And he talked about how awful the producers were and just ranted for, you know, the 30 minute Q&A about how awful Uh it was. And I'm just so sad that I missed that. That must have been quite a delight. And you missed the best part. I know. And instead, I got to watch Gary Oldman do the dwarf trick, you know, where he puts his his legs in a hole and they put little stubby feet on him and they they do stuff
0: like that. When Ian McShane does it in Snow White it's awesome. That's CG. CG makes everything
1: okay Kelly Wand. Interesting. Alright Kelly Wand what is your number one pick then for a character with disability?
0: My Left Foot.
1: Yeah but what movie?
0: (laughs) Uh, Uh It's good.
1: My All right, husband. so explain. Right, explain.
0: Uh, who's the It's character. not even about his disability. It's like that thing where you're supposed to. Oh, it's just like us, but it's not like us. But then my left foot. He's just. It's like about him playing soccer and like hooking up with that chick. What? How does he play soccer? He plays soccer with his foot. He's got a foot. That's the only sport he can play. You fucking racist. <laughs> okay, that's a fair point. In uh, fact, the title gives away that it's about soccer. <laughs> Doesn't
1: it? <laughs> uh, you know, I've never seen this because I play. assumed I'm it was a it was a Disability of the Week movie. Uh, what you might you might think that this is my number one
2: too, um, and it's on Instant Watch right now. What? And really, you really have to watch it.
1: Wait, Wait a minute, Tom, what, you I'm
0: thought
1: Daniel Day Lewis in a Disability of the Week movie? What are you guys talking about? Oh,
0: uh, he's trolling us. No, I'm not. I'm not. Why would I see My Left Foot? Wait, you'll see uh, anything with Daniel Day
2: Lewis because it's it's. Fucking amazing! And here's here's the quote I would have given from it: "If you work with me, I'll help you say fuck off more cleanly." Um, and one of the wonderful things is the first thirty minutes of this movie is this this young actor named Hugh O'Connor totally setting the stage for Daniel what Daniel Day Lewis is going to do for the rest of the movie. Um, th- there's a little bit of that. Uh, we're going to show you at the end of the movie first, kind of a thing going on. But this this young actor named Hugh O'Connor is freaking amazing and, uh, and the, the, you know i'm sorry to jump in here kelly wan but, but no, no. The, the disability is, is is cerebral palsy and and he was misdiagnosed as, as just being mentally disabled for the first 10 years of his life and the the family just didn't know any better and so they just sort of kept him under the stairs and they were they were loving they would they 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 refused to institutionalize him um, but they were very poor and and eventually they figured out uh, thanks to the fact that he's brilliant that he was that he wasn't bad that, that he had cerebral palsy and and the the performances that are just freaking amazing it's it's just such a beautiful movie and it, I, I don't know it's just it's just, it's freaking incredible and and I think you really should watch it
0: it sounds awful oh my now, God. you know what's you know what I really like about it and I, I remember now it was uh it's nothing it has, the whole movie has nothing to do with his disability even though it's like the character has a disability that you can't ignore uh, it's like nothing in the movie like no one in the neighborhood gives him shit his parents like him like nothing everything goes his way for the whole movie he gets the girl by going showing her his paintings that he painted with his foot he's all yeah this, this stuff's kind of sentimental
2: nothing but, that he's saying right now is true uh, I love Kelly Wan but nothing Am I wrong? It. Just it's that that is. it's been a long true. time since none of it is true
0: uh, <laughs> I remember just seeing like, everything's great. Like, no, oh, greatest. Jesus thing. Christ, no! Am I wrong, really? Am I that <laughs> stupid? I don't remember.
2: So the first girl gives a painting to—he's not the good-looking guy, so she gives it back.
0: Jesus. Uh, I don't remember that. But that's yeah, not because he's—that's just because she doesn't like the
2: painting. It's because he's a freak.
0: <laughs> and it, it totally and sounds like—and
2: ch- I, and I apologize for describing it that way because I realize every, with every word I say, I'm turning Tom off. To seeing it more, uh, but just, you know, watching it again, and, and I was really reluctant to choose this, but I just have such wonderful memories from seeing it. And part of it is from the, the moment that Kelly Wan referenced about him playing soccer, which what he first does is use his head and not his foot because he's playing goalie and he stops the ball with his head. And, and that's what I remember. And also him making his, his family laugh and only they can understand what he's saying. And, and one of my kid's friends, cause my kid's been around, you know, a couple kids with disabilities when he was younger. And one of my kid's friends is a, is a little girl who has cerebral palsy. And it takes a while to understand what she says when she's talking. And now when she comes up to me and asks where he is, I, I can hear, it's almost like an interpretation. I can hear what she's saying. And this movie gets that. And Daniel D. Lewis, Totally gets that. It's it's a fantastic performance.
0: It's the performance that put him on the map.
2: Oh, and for good reason. And Tom, who wants to put him in every movie, including Spider Man, um,
0: should. I can't believe you haven't seen this movie. Yeah, that is weird. Why would I see it? I don't. It's Daniel Day Lewis. I still don't believe he hasn't seen it. I think he's full of shit. I don't believe a word of it. I've I've
1: not seen it. It's it's Jim Sheridan, right? Like, isn't it one of the movies that he and they did like thirty movies about Irish dudes? Yeah.
2: That uh, sounds like a great short movie festival. <laughs> that
0: sound
1: but I feel like I've seen one of the. I saw the one about the where Pete Postlethwaite goes to prison or I saw that one. I feel like that's fine. I've seen all of these Irish movies with Daniel Day Lewis. My right. Irish. I, and I don't need to see the one about the dis the guy. I didn't even know what he had, so I I just knew. I saw uh, what's that? Diving Bell and the Butterfly, where the guy could move his eye. Uh. I feel like what? well, see that was like just like oh tedious, and I was like, I, like I've done my term of service with that. Why would I need to see my left foot? Um, just watch, just to just
2: because yeah. you love Daniel J. Lewis,
1: just
0: all right, see it, all right. Because I didn't just, want, it's one of those movies you don't want to see. I'm like, I don't want to see My Left Foot, and I whined and bitched like Tom. And then when I saw it, I was like, oh, okay, this... Usually when people say, yeah, you should see it, it's really good, like, even if you don't think you want to see it, like, it actually is for once.
2: I was it's just going to watch,
0: different. just just to see the kid at the
2: beginning, because my contention, I, I was bitter about this movie for many years. Um, because... It was annoying to me that Dendley Lewis won Best Actor for it when so much of his work was done by this other young actor, and and he acknowledged that when he accepted his Academy Award. But I felt like, you know, you both played this part. Why can't this kid get the award too? Right. Um, well, no one wins Oscars for the movie. That well, that's absolutely true. But but he's uh, Denzel Lewis is just transcendent. I mean, he's just. Freaking amazing! I, I mean, I can't understand how somebody does that kind of thing. But the little kid is really good too, and he kind of sets the table.
0: Anyway, wow. the movie
2: is is very well put together. Stop being a bitch, Tom. And, and the right, thing is I, I tried to just watch part of it, and I it's one of those again. One of the reasons I love this kind of three way three topic is that I can't stop
1: watching the movie
2: that I'm watching. Now, now all that said, Tom's going to watch five minutes ago. "Come on, if
1: but
0: I like it." he should want to watch
1: it. Well, who else... Okay, who else famous is in it? Maybe that'll help me. Brenda Any?
0: Fricker. I don't even know who that is. She won an Oscar. She's like the lovable mom character. You're... I, okay. Um, <laughs> and She's dowdy and Irish. That's not selling me. <laughs> I'm um, not hey, sold. You know, uh, a fun game I like to play lately is finding a movie that was that's good from another era, like in the seventies, like *Conversation*. And trying to figure out ways that it would suck if it was made now, the way movies suck now. And I was thinking, like, if they made *The Elephant Man* now, he'd be awesome at soccer. Like, he would headbutt a soccer ball constantly. You know, uh, *Tale of Hope*. (laughs) um, Lucy Liu is also in it. Oh,
1: awesome! Okay, you know what? Tons of disabilities. I am totally watching it, Dan. Okay, you guys I'm have sold sorry, me. Yeah. All right, so I've got a note here to watch my left foot. Uh, he his hot, his hot nurse.
0: Awesome, really sweet. <laughs> Good, okay. And the dominatrix. Uh, all right, so runners
1: up. Let's see. Uh, my number one, of course, is uh, Curtis and Take Shelter. So th- there's our those are our lists. Um, so, so yeah, was your number one? Mine is Take Shelter. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: But uh, well, that
1: was your. Alternate. Lots of runners up. Uh, Kelly, one. I'm surprised you didn't pick Daredevil.
0: Uh it's not a it's not a disability if
1: you can if it's superpowers too. Okay. And I'm surprised Ningus didn't pick Avatar.
0: <laughs> I guess being a lawyer is a disability. <laughs> Wait, what's the disability in Avatar? They uh, oh, in okay, a yeah, wheelchair. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, other than that... I don't remember that part. And <laughs> being an actor with no charisma whatsoever, I think that, that held Sam Martin back a little bit. Uh, Tom. I'm
2: not sorry. being T- Channing Tatum. <laughs> uh, and
1: no one picked, re- like, his rear window count. Like, I love how it's a broken leg, so whatever. <laughs> That's but I not love
2: a disability.
1: A you, you kind of left how... it wide
2: open for us to define it, and so... That that is that's a temporary
1: disability, sure. No. But it's not. It's, he's not one of my favorite characters. I mean, it's a plot device, or as Kelly Juan would call it, a Deus Ex Machina. Uh, and I love how it's used. A disable but, Ex Machina. Yeah, I don't. I don't particularly need to see the world through the eyes of a character with a broken leg. Like, there's no real social value in that. It's just a cool Alfred Hitchcock twist.
0: Okay, if they remade that today, it would be. Like, they did. It's called Disturbia, and instead of a broken leg, he's got the ankle An bracelet. Ankle bracelet, right? yeah. what do you think But of that? it would be like. A point, there'd be a point-of-view shot from inside the cast, too, like in 3D. Like, oh, look. What? <laughs> sounds gross. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. Just like 3D rear window.
1: Kelly one is Dr. Strangelove a character with a disability?
0: Uh, uh, yeah. And so is the guy in Young Frankenstein with the hand. <laughs>
1: uh, does yeah. either of you guys know a, a sort of a crappy slasher movie called Mute Witness?
0: Yeah. Oh, wait, that sounds familiar. Well,
1: I didn't expect Dingus would know it. Kelly Wanda, I thought you might.
0: And the way Dingus said, yeah, like, witness. You witness. Know, Why do started. you know that, Dingus?
2: Because uh, I know people who are into He knows a guy who's seen it.
0: <laughs> he knows a guy who knows another guy.
2: Wait, no, who- I, I remember saying that. I, I just know people who work with the deaf community, and so I hear stuff like that. So every movie with mute in the
1: title is a- Well, she's not deaf, though. She's just mute. Like, she can't talk. Uh, I know, I know, but...
0: Okay, go ahead.
1: Oh well, that that's the twist in the in the movie, and, and what it is, it was just this American director. He had no budget. He was going to do this like crappy slasher movie, but that was kind of the twist: is that the, the lead character couldn't talk, and for whatever reason, he got funding to shoot it in in Moscow, <laughs> and uh, and he even it's mainly famous for having an Alec Guinness ca- cameo that he literally shot as Guinness was on the way to the airport in his limo. Uh, he just pulls, Alec Guinness pulls the limo up, rolls the window down. He may not even have a line, actually. Uh, and they get footage of him, and then Alec Guinness drives away, and they get to use that footage in the movie and claim the movie stars, uh, has an Alec Guinness cameo. Uh, but I recall there being some kind of cool twists with the fact that she can't speak, and they're, you know, the, the killers who she's seen making a snuff film are trying to discredit her with the police, and there's that thriller aspect of it.
0: Um, Do you consider Luke uh, a character with a disability at the end of Empire Strikes Back? No, because he
1: gets it right back at the beginning of Return of the Jedi.
0: See? Oh, yeah.
1: There are no obstacles for him, just like in my left foot. Everything works out just fine for him. Darth Vader
0: has tons of disabilities. That's Um, the the message of that movie. (laughs) I have never seen a movie. I think I've got this right. Isn't there a movie about a, a
1: blind woman foiling these men who've broken into her yeah, house by uh, turning off all is Isn't that Wait, Wait Until, Until Dark with yeah. Audrey
0: Hepburn? Yeah. Audrey Hepburn, really? It's Audrey Hepburn. Yeah. Alan Arkins one of the dudes. It's like... Oh, so what? Oh, is it like something? It just backed me up. Yeah,
2: it was, it was based on a stage play, and that's the thing I remember about that is that uh, of one of the first theater jobs I had. One of the guys was talking about. Seeing a production of that and, uh, and at the end she's supposed to get some weapon out of a drawer, um, to foil the bad guy. It's a gun or a knife or something. And the prop person hadn't put that in there. And so, so in trying to figure out what to do, she grabbed this, this jar and just threw it and said, poison jelly.
0: <laughs> what? I don't remember that. <laughs> She is resourceful. Tell me that did not make it into the adaptation, apparently, for film. Poison jelly! <laughs> did she say it like that? It's, a, it's such it's an, an un-Audrey Hepburn. I, it's I'm something not, the Mickey sure Rooney I'm character The line, the
2: line the reading it. might be off, but yeah. Does
0: the Mickey Rooney uh, Japanese character in Breakfast at Tiffany's have a disability?
1: Again, I have not seen that. Fucking Tom. <laughs> That's <laughs>
2: the best work. Uh, there's a, the, one of the daughter, the daughter in Orphan. Or pawn
1: is, is, yeah, Awesome. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, good call, Dingus. But again, that's more just like this Hitchcockian character twist thing. That's a Deus Ex Machina.
2: Absolutely. When, when, when oh, reaching yeah. for weird disabilities or, or, uh, stretching the idea, uh, I thought of sex license video tape because James Spader can't get a, an erection around another person. I think that's a disability.
0: Kelly, one, how do you feel hmm. about that? No fucking way, cause it's 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 not a disability to get Laura Sam Giacomo to take her skirt off on the couch while you're taping her. That's but he, a fucking disability? Jesus. He can't get a he can't get an erection around her when he she. He doing just that. says that. That's his I think that's his shtick. Oh uh, that's his thing. Yeah. Oh, can I can't get an erection. it's like saying you're gay and then every uh chick goes, Really? I'll fix that. The shampoo is a movie. That's like- not, that was my end, confusedly. <laughs>
2: Uh, my favorite, my favorite runner-up, and it almost made me list, but I knew you guys would, uh, would kill me for it because it's a TV movie, is this wonderful HBO movie called Temple Grandin. And it's about this woman who has Asperger's Syndrome. And I, I love the movie. Claire Danes is really wonderful in it. It's really well done, but it, it is, a, it, it is a TV. Movie.
0: I don't know if that's a disability either though.
1: Hey Claire Danes is right because I just watched that home front, homeland thing. She's, like, all about doing uh, disabilities, I guess. How about that?
2: Yeah. yeah, She's really good in Temple Grandin, though.
1: Well, she's actually great in Homeland, Homefront, whatever it's called. Uh, <laughs> she's great in that, but it's very uh, it's very contrived. Hey, our character's going to have a disability to be... It's a deus ex machina, is what I'm getting at. Okay. Really, okay. Yeah.
2: But, uh, but part of it is that I just love... The actual person, Temple Grandin. I love hearing her talk and the, I've read her. I mean, she's just
1: really cool. But the, I think the movie is also really good. But it's on a TV movie, so it doesn't count. Sorry, Dingus. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Uh, I read a book by Dalton Trumbo, that guy who got blacklisted and wrote Spartacus, and Steve Martin was banging his daughter. But he wrote this book called Johnny Got His Gun. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's about this World War One veteran. He's like blind, deaf, mute armless and legless, and he's the viewpoint character of the book, and the one thing that happens to him that <laughs> stuck with me that was like the creepiest part is he didn't know when he was asleep. Agreed. You're freaking me out, Kelly Wand. Doesn't that? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Kelly Wand, on that note... Wait, wait, you're going to oh, yes. some alternates that I cut you off on. Um,
2: yeah, Tom, do you have any other runners up? Um, Lieutenant Dan?
0: No, I got nothing. You've got movie. a disability,
1: too. <laughs> yeah. We could, uh, uh, you know what? I really like Leonardo DiCaprio's performance in What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Um, but maybe it's, you know, that's
0: before you knew he was Leonardo DiCaprio. Do you consider Rosie O'Donnell's character in Exit to Eden as having a disability? <laughs> it's a, it's an eating disorder, Kelly Wand.
1: Uh, you know, here's actually one. Uh, speaking of Leonardo DiCaprio... I, I, I remember in uh I'm not what's the Howard Hughes biopic thing that Mark's The with? Aviator?
0: Yeah, Aviator. I like I, that
1: movie. I love the bit in The Aviator where he's going deaf. He's losing his hearing and it's about his sort of confusion and frustration being out in a social situation where he can't really hear what people are saying. Uh, I loved those bits in The Aviator.
0: Um I remember that. I do not remember him just repeating things.
1: Well, it's like he's at a table and Clark Gable or one of those like famous old timey movie stars is talking to him and he can't really hear what he's, he can't hear what he's saying. He already feels threatened by the guy's charisma and presence and, uh, I just loved that scene.
0: Um. Oh, well, that's, you, that's a
1: good point. You just made me think of there will be blood. Cool. Oh, good lord. Wow. Nice, Dingus. Speaking of Daniel Day Lewis. Very good. What's the matter mm. with us? Wow. No, mm. so it isn't. <laughs> All right, well, Kelly on, what is next week's 3x3? Three three? We are in your capable hands. What do you got for us?
0: All right, I don't know if you're going to like this one. So here it comes. Mm-hmm. It's the three awesomest examples of genetics. So this is uh, everything from twins <laughs> to Sally Field being Tom Hanks' mom and Forrest Gump to Michael J. Fox, his kids, and back to the future two all looking like him to Guy Piercing Prometheus Genetics. <laughs> You're welcome. And, I have no idea. What the
1: fuck? <laughs> I have no idea. Wow. Alright. Genetics.
0: Exclamation point. Examples of genetics.
1: <laughs> Alright. You're so, welcome. Thank you. Yes. No. Uh, <laughs> join us next week for three awesomest examples oh. of genetics. Yeah. That's how you gotta say it. All right. right. Like you're selling it. Like you want people to buy it. Snow White
0: and the Huntsman. Genetics. (laughs)
1: Uh, All right, Kelly Wan. So uh, we'll see where that goes. Uh, Speaking of genetics, uh, let's see Spider-Man. Because I think it's not a radioactive spider this time, isn't it?
0: Genetics in the the reboot that (laughs) gives him powers. I didn't give a shit about the Spider-Man movie. Until I read that Sally Field plays Aunt May, and now it sounds so fucking weird. I need to see it. Why is that weird? Because she's not old. Sally Field? Are you kidding? She's not Aunt May old. Aunt May's like a frail ninety-five-year-old fucking Geraldine Page kind of. Thing. How old do you think Sally Field is, Kelly Wand? How old? I'm scared. Wait, is she really that old? Like, am I?
1: No, just guess. How, how old do you think she
0: is? I'd say she's fifty-three. Yeah, so Flying Nun was 40 years ago, which means she was 13 when she was on Flying Nun. <laughs> I was also thinking, like, everybody hated Tobey Maguire's dancing on the sidewalk of New York in Spider-Man 3, like, boo, that's the shark jump. So they fire Sam Raimi, and then they replace him with Mark Webb, this guy who's one movie has his main character dancing on the sidewalk. And that's...
2: I would love Come to on. see that just the last 30 seconds animated. <laughs>
0: Sally Field
1: is Aunt May. So Sally Field's like 70. I hate to break it to you. I, really? I I'm pretty sure, yeah. You can't spank it to Sally Field. Anymore. Well, you can if you... Hey, you know what? That's, what you do to that, too, is your own business.
0: Just uh, Lange.
1: Speaking of 70, yeah. Uh, all right, so let's see Spider-Man 2... Well, oh, no, it's just Spider-Man. Amazing, amazing Sp- Sp- Spider-Man. Right, The Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, maybe some of us will play the video game as well. There's a video game for it. We can talk about that. And we will do our three... By- <laughs> There's a new Spider-Man video game. <laughs> is there a Brave I mean, video Let's play the Brave video game. There, there is there a Brave are, video There
0: game. are ones. Yeah, they have really weird titles, too, like The Temple Within. or you're like, what? For Brave? Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought you would be able to in- elaborate on that.
2: I'm uncomfortable with the title The Temple Within.
0: All right, that one's not... No, know that's me, Kelly MacDonalding, again, but... It's something like lost horizons inside the macrame or something. I don't know. Tom, help me out. Back me up. That sounds cool. awful.
1: Yeah, I'll look into that. And uh, I, I don't know. Uh, what would you do in a brave video game? You know what you would do? You would follow the little line of wisps. Yeah, that's your. And that's where you get the quest
2: at the end. That teaches you how to love your mom. Can I? Can I just say a special f off to Subway? Because I had to watch. A, I watch a commercial. <laughs> Of her galloping and shooting an arrow at a subway logo, and I would. Uh,
0: say,
2: thanks for ruining. You know, it's it's two point it's point two seconds of film time, but you ruined
1: that point two seconds of film time.
2: Yeah, but so, she is killing,
0: kill, She's killing subway with her arrow. So in
1: a away. You should Unfortunately, ah, not. It didn't make it into the movie. What did I see recently? They had all these co- like product placement in movies now. I just that that is so jarring to me. It always jumps out. So in good. a period in piece, it's always weird. So now I have to watch Brave and think of the word of Subway,
2: which is what they
0: wanted, but I'm not going to get a sandwich there. There's probably a voicemail app that uses the witch's uh, potion cauldron thing. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, Take that. Whatever. (laughs) Take that universe I live in. (laughs)
1: All right, so next week, uh, 3x3 on genetics and Amazing Spider-Man. I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian uh, of the McClansky
0: McClansky clan. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's Christian Murawski And Kelly Wand I can speak sign language, but not write it <laughs> la, 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 la. Mom Canada
1: you have a canicdote?
0: Yeah, just a All quick Alright,
1: right, yeah, tell to us Canada. Canada.
0: So yeah. My, This is why I'm breaking up with Canada I got a fucking $180 ticket on uh-huh. Skytrain. You know what? What are you doing? They have flying trains in Canada? You just wow. call it the train. They go, Skytrain, like, angrily. And they don't get angry at anything. And also, the, they don't call the boat a boat. They call it a sea bus. I thought they <laughs> called it a boot. Anyway, $180, because it said, it was like Zone 2. I go, oh, it means this is Zone 2, but now it's supposed to be a 2-zone. So, I was in the wrong zone. Fuck Canada.
1: Basically, you have to pay $180 stupid tax for not understanding
0: Canadian zoning? <laughs> yeah, and then the guy accused me of money laundering. I don't even know what that is. Are those even dollars? I watched the lethal weapon scene where he explains what it is, and I still don't. That's <laughs> anyway. All right, so, uh, $180, <laughs> Fuck that. But doesn't does it... doesn't in Canada, doesn't the government pay your tickets for you? Uh, yeah, but they should pay the bribe to the cop that I would have offered. <laughs> if I'd had. It's <laughs> Socialized
2: ticketing, I like that. <laughs> <Rich>. <laughs>
0: Tom likes to be the DJ. Spin, Spin job. Can I read you the three by three topic?
2: Tom's sure. genetics.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we've done it again. Talked about nothing.